Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, The John Campus Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Hope everybody's taking a deep breath coming off Comic-Con. I just got back from San Diego yesterday. Rob, you got back from San Diego yesterday. By the way, joining me over here, writer, director, producer, one of the hosts of the uh, Star Trek, what is it? Starship Smackdown. The Starship Smackdown, the 20th anniversary of that panel at Comic-Con, yeah. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? Look, John, I just want to nip this in the bud right now. I, I concede. I lost the bet. And I, I didn't just lose it. I mean, I, I nothing came through. Nothing. <laughs> Big whiff. Big, I, it was a whiff. <laughs> I nerfed it. I, I, it was bad. So, Ray Ora, I owe you, my friend. The hot toy of your choice. Yeah. And we will talk We'll okay. talk about the details of that in just a second. Sitting right beside Rob, of course, Chris Carr is here. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. I didn't go anywhere this weekend. I stayed home. And nor did you lose any bets. No. I'm thriving. <laughs> Sitting over there, the guy who somehow, some way, figures a way to end up winning bets that he's not even a part of. He's joining you guys in the live <laughs> chat today. Ray Ora. Ray, how you doing? <laughs> I, I just got to say one thing. They need to release For All Mankind on Mondays now, because if they... If Danny doesn't top himself every week, this guy is becoming my home, most hated thing ever <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> I don't hate anything except this character. But yeah. Thanks, Rob. I don't know how I got into the bet, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, also running the show today, producer Jonathan Voico. Jonathan, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's everybody doing today? Pack show today show. <laughs> and it is a packed show and we're super glad that you guys are joining us here today and here's how today's show is going to go we're going to break it down into two parts in the first half of the show we're going to talk about some predetermined topics then in the second half of the show we're going to take your live comments and questions now if you want to get a live comment or question right on the show for us to address number one you got to be watching live uh, number two when we get to the end of the main topics i will announce that we're opening up the super chats and once we do you can start firing them in though fire them in quick because we do only keep those open for a few minutes. So make sure you get those in promptly. Okay, guys, let's not waste any time and get right into it. And we're going to start off with a couple of off the tops. And our first one is this. Now, a lot of things happened at Comic-Con this week. And we're going to talk about Comic-Con and a lot of the things that came out of Comic-Con at length here today. But one of the things that happened at Comic-Con, but that has not been shared with the rest of the world, is that they brought out the cast for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They talked a bit about the movie. You can find that panel online. But what you can't find online is the little teaser, the sizzle they played for it, which got a lot of people excited. We saw a lot of descriptions about the teaser out there. I'm very excited they finally got Cosmo. I've never understood, how do you do Guardians of the Galaxy without Cosmo? But here we go, we got Cosmo here, and that's great. But a lot of people wonder it where's the trailer online? Where's Billy D. Williams? Uh, there's a little shout out. If anybody knows that reference, good on you. Um, but like, where's this trailer? Why? Like they, the Black Panther trailer comes out. We're going to talk about that later. They drop that online. The Sam trailer comes out. They, where's the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? And that's a fair question to ask. The answer, though, is really simple. As Variety kind of reports that the reason that there was not any Guardians of the Galaxy footage shared online is because the footage they showed at Comic-Con was not quite ready for wide viewing. And so they decided we will show it to the audience at Comic-Con, but we don't want the worldwide audience's first experience with footage of our new movie to be incomplete. Like, that's not what we want their first impression to be, because what do they say? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So that's kind of what they thought. Now, this brings up, though, 
an interesting debate that I started seeing twirling online a little bit. And it happens every year with Comic-Con, even though we haven't had Comic-Con in a while, which is people saying, well, that's not fair. Not all of us can get to San Diego. Yeah. Why does Tommy get a cookie and I don't? I mean, it's 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 a debate and a, and a thing that comes up every single year. Not, But it's true. I mean, not everybody lives close to San Diego and just hop in a car and drive down there like we have the... Being only an hour and a half away from it, we have that privilege. You can just jump in the car, drive down there, be there in a real lickety split. And some people will say to me, not everybody can afford to fly to San Diego and go to Comic-Con. And it's, yeah, but there's two really big factors here. Number one, even if you could get to Comic-Con, let's say 100,000 people went, and there was more than 100,000, but let's just say 100,000. The reality is, even if you were one of those people who went down to Comic-Con and got to be at Comic-Con, even if you were there, there is a 95% chance that you wouldn't have been in Hall H anyway. Nope. Because out of the 100,000 people that can go, for some reason, Comic-Con still puts their big headline event in Hall Henry. Sorry, we don't get to call it Hall Henry, and I will gripe about that later. Hall H, they still only hold it in Hall H, which only seats a capacity of 6,000 people. And people camp out. And there are people who camp out for like 48 hours. Mm-hmm. The smell in that Hall H. The smell in Hall H is not pleasant. <laughs> it's the smell. <laughs> I have I have moderated panels in Hall H before. The smell, even from the stage, is not pleasant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, I mean, the reality, even if you were there, only 5% of the people that are there even get to get into Hall H. I still, and I wasn't one of them. I wasn't there, and I wasn't in Hall H. And I'm cool with the fact that they didn't release it online because it wasn't ready. And I'm also cool with the idea in principle. We've been talking about this for years. This is always a debate every year. I think people who do make the the Mecca trip journey down, the, the voyage down, the pilgrimage, if you will, to San Diego Comic-Con, those people who camp out in those lines and whatever, I'm cool with those people being rewarded with getting something a little special, whether it's something they get to see before the rest of us do. Or they get to see that maybe none of us get to see for a few months, let alone a few hours. I'm fine with that. And just because Tommy got a cookie doesn't mean I'm getting ripped off. Because I wasn't going to get... If they didn't show those people at Comic-Con that footage, I still wouldn't have seen it. Like, people act as if the reason I didn't get to see it is because those people... No, 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 you weren't going to see it anyway. I wasn't going to see it anyway. But they got to have something a little special. So how about instead of being whiny little sucks... We say, hey, man, we're happy for those of you who were there and got to see it. Am I a little bit jealous? Yes, I am. But that's okay. I'm happy for those people mm-hmm. that they got to see some instead of griping about what I didn't get. So I, I know. So it's cool. Anyway, Rob, you hear they're, they're saying like, look, we, we don't want to release this one to the public yet because it's not ready. Is that valid or should they have just released it as it is anyway? Oh, come on. You know what happened. These effects look terrible. I mean, it's... it's, Look what happened with She-Hulk. It happens all... Yeah, it happens Sonic, She-Hulk, whatever. Fans will bitch, moan, and complain. And if there's somebody that's that's attuned to what fandom is going to do, it's James Gunn and Kevin Feige. And why... There are ways out, a year out at least, for the new Guardians movie, right? I mean, they probably have first iterations of the effects. I wouldn't release them either. The fact that they showed anything at all was a, was a treat. And speaking about what, you know, fan entitlement, as I always say, 
life is unfair. The universe is indifferent to your suffering. And if you watch <laughs> best movie, worst movie about disaster movies, you will find out that my favorite disaster movie had a solar flare that one day just decided to wipe all life off the planet. What about mine, Rob? And, and yours, yours was even better. <laughs> Melancholia. I wish I had come up with that. Um, uh, that was better. But the, the thing is, if you don't, if, if you want something in life, John, you have to go take it. <laughs> if you want to go to Comic-Con and see what wonders await you in Hall H, you must go. Mm-hmm. And you must figure out how to get there. Because 150,000 people a day figured out how to get there. You could be one of those people, too. Um, and guess I'm, what? We are all going to see that footage at some point. Exactly. Too. It's of not course. like we're never going to get to see it. We are going to see it. We're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. I mean, I've never been to New York Comic-Con. You know why? why? I've thought about us going down. That'd be so like, fun. Always thought about taking us on a road trip and just going down to New York. I, I was supposed sometime. to go with Schnepp one year, and I just couldn't go. But there's a reason why I haven't been to New York Comic Con because I haven't gone. That's the reason. <laughs> you know, I haven't saved up my shekels yeah. and uh, and booked a plane a plane trip or a car trip or mm-hmm. whatever to get there. And one day I will, and I'll feel about, feel better about my life. Chris, you uh, you hear about this? I mean, they they showed footage that wasn't quite. 100% ready to go. Yeah. Do you think it would have been advantageous for them to release it anyway, or do you think it's wise for them to hold it back for now? Oh, I think it's definitely wise for them to hold back. I mean, like you guys were saying, fans would just bitch about it. We deserve to bitch about Ugly Sonic, though. That was his teeth. <laughs> it's true. Ooh, ooh. It was, ugh. I- I'm with you. And we made Man. effective change. And yeah, and that one, that one worked out for the best. But people would complain and talk about how this looks incomplete, because it is. It's true. And I'm with you. I think that if you, if you camped out outside of the San Diego Convention Center for 48 hours and you made your way into Hall H, that is your gift. Am I jealous of you? Absolutely. But it's a, a convivial jealousy of, <laughs> man, I wish that was me, but also I stayed on my couch for all weekend. So, like, I don't deserve it. And how lucky are we, too? I mean, half the time we get stuff early and I, I have this at home, right, where it's like, oh, yeah, we, we already saw, you know, what what the bad guy in Thor looks like. We got to check that out before everyone else did. Yeah. And it's the same thing where Logan's like, God, can you can you take a picture of it and show me? No, I can't. That's not allowed. Can't do it. Yeah. I, actually, let me ask you guys both this question. I, and, I, and I mean this seriously. Mm-hmm. Do you think if the first She-Hulk trailer didn't get all that ridiculous backlash, do you think the plan would have been just to release the Guardians trailer anyway? Or do you think that maybe that had influence on them deciding to hold it back? I think Gunn probably wanted to keep this for himself till it was completed. I, I would agree. I, I mean, I think that Guardians has a lot of, I mean, the thing about, I think that one of the problems with She-Hulk is when She-Hulk is front and center, you're looking, the scrutinization that that, that effect takes by the audience because you're looking, you're looking for any cracks, any chinks in that armor. Mm-hmm. You're looking for that. Which we wouldn't look for if it was an, if it was a CGI animal, alien monster, robot, no. whatever, right. but we're looking at what we know is a, a, a human, a human exactly. being. So it's it's that much harder. And by the way, I thought she looked fantastic in this new trailer. Right, we'll get to that though a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think though, I think that James Gunn was right because, you know, with Guardians, I, people were bitching about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer like, oh, it looks bad. You know, but it didn't. It's And if they're unfinished... All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? Them deciding not to release the Guardians trailer publicly yet because they just don't think it's ready to be released yet. Do you like that move? Do you maybe think they should release it anyway? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's do another off the top here. And that one is this. This is kind of an editorial in a way, but I got an interesting email yesterday from a viewer that was pointing me to a tech YouTuber that I follow 
And the tech YouTuber was basically known for reviewing a lot of Apple stuff, but the tech YouTuber was basically giving their story about how they got blacklisted from Apple's PR department. And the person was asking me, like, is this similar to how, like, movie studio PR departments work with online personalities and stuff like that? And, and how does that work? And I thought that's an interesting question. So I thought I would just take a second here to kind of give you guys a quick rundown about how some of your favorite online movie personalities, whether it's, you know, a Dan Merle or a Real Rejects or you watch the John Campia show, whatever. Um, give you guys just a little bit of an insight into how that dynamic works, because there's some... There's some things people don't realize, and there's some massive misinformation out there as well about, about how that whole thing works. So there is this perception out there that people who can't stand that others like a movie that they don't like will often perpetuate. And, you know, you know, you know how it goes. Somebody doesn't like a movie, but they see that the critics like it. When that happens to me, I go, hey, I'm in the minority on this one. I, the critics really loved it. I didn't. All good. But you know that there's a lot of people out there. That'll go, well, the critics were paid off. Or this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. The critics only gave it a good review because they're afraid they won't get invited to these sweet screenings anymore if they don't. And I'm like, your stupidity knows no limits. But okay, so let me let me just clear up a couple of those things here. Um, movie studio PR departments don't care if a critic likes or doesn't like a movie to a PR department in a studio, it doesn't affect them one way or the other. If critics love or hate a movie, did you know that? I mean, I know that sounds counterintuitive and it does, but a PR person at a studio, they don't care if critics love or hate a movie because that's not what a PR person at a studio's job is. A PR person at a studio, their job is to get a movie coverage. The PR person at a studio, they're only responsible to get the media talking about something, to make sure the media or the online personalities are aware of something. And once they do, and once articles are written and thought pieces are published and all that kind of stuff, the PR person don't give two squirts of piss whether you like the movie or not. They really don't care. Here's a great example. Uh, just, this is just one example of many. I'm a big fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm a big fan of Zac Efron. So therefore, I was super excited about their Baywatch movie. That movie was a steaming pile of dog shit. It was awful. And I got invited to the, to the Paramount lot. I went into one of their historic, iconic theaters on the lot, sat in there as they presented me with this Baywatch movie, and it was awful. And I got online. I talked about just how bad that movie is. It's really bad, despite this got some of my favorite people in it, right? couple days later, I get a call from a PR dude at Paramount saying, wow, you really didn't like Baywatch, huh? <laughs> I'm like, dude, it was really, really bad. Next day, I lit literally, four, 24 hours later, I got my invite to the next Paramount screen. The studio does not care. This fake narrative that gets pitched around there that, oh, if, if, if a critic doesn't like movie, they won't get invited to screenings anymore. Guess what? Every critic you read have given a lot of negative reviews to studios' movies that they still get invited to all the time as do I. It's completely irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So, so there's that one little thing. There's another false idea out there that, you know, they, of course the critics are going to say they like it because they get those sweet swag bags when they go to the events. Let me tell you about these sweet swag bags. All right. 
There's a perception out there that when you hear swag bag, you think of like the Oscars where people get diamond Tiffany earrings in a bag and stuff like that. Yeah. What's what's that alien that um, the the alien sketch that they do on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. (laughs) You guys must have got the upper management. I didn't have that experience. Yeah, that wasn't my experience at all. No, 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 no. We get something very different. You know what the swag bags are for the journalists? These big things. It's a $13 Funko Pop. It's a poorly made T-shirt. It's a pen with the name of the movie logo on it. Sometimes it's something actually that's a little bit useful, like a $6 thumb drive, like a 128 gigabyte thumb drive with the movie logo on it. I, I mean, it's just stuff like that. It's nothing that you can't go to a Target and buy for probably $25. These sweet swag bags, while there's sometimes there's some pretty cool stuff in there. Absolutely. There is no online personality, no journalist who's going to give a positive review out of fear of losing those sweet swag bags. I mean, nobody really cares. So there's that. I'll tell you at the bottom line what the PR people at these studios are looking for in their relationships with online personalities. They're just looking for people to be fair. That's it. And when I hated Baywatch... I I listed down, this is all the reasons it doesn't work for me. I didn't make 28 hit pieces about Baywatch. I didn't talk about Baywatch every day for six months and talk about how everybody at Paramount is mentally incapacitated. I I didn't, no, no, I just said, look, I saw this movie, everybody. I totally hated it. Here's why I hated it, blah, blah. And then I moved on to talk about the next movie. And to the studio, that's fair. That's all studios are looking for in the in the publicist or sorry, in the in the online journalists or online pundits like myself. That's all they're looking for is it's people who will be fair. Now, there are lines online personalities like myself should not cross that sometimes we do. Uh, embargoes is one of them. I, I remember one time I felt horrible about this. I remember this one time. I won't say which movie it was, but there was a universal movie. There was an embargo date. And I published my embargo a day, or I published my review a day early. And like, I, I don't know what kind of CIA surveillance they have, but it couldn't have been more than three minutes after I published that I got this call from the PR rep at, at Universal, who I know. Like, uh, yeah, hey, just, just wanted to chat with you for a second. Um, notice your review is up now. I'm like, yeah. Like, there is an embargo till tomorrow. I'm like, no, 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 the embargo's today. I'm like, no, it's tomorrow. I said, look. I've got the email right here and holy shit, the embargoes tomorrow. So like that, I felt absolutely terrible, terrible about there have been times that I have reported on wrong information that then the publicists at a thing will get in touch with me. See, because the publicist's job is also making sure an accurate message about what their projects are is getting out there. It's not their job to make sure they're positive messages. It's their job to make sure accurate messages are getting out there. So I have been contacted over the past 10 years by a publicist two or three different times when like there's been inaccurate. I I remember I heard from like two different sources once that Snoke was actually Darth Plagueis. I got from two separate independent sources and I got on our show and I said, I have found out that blah, blah, blah. Instantly got a call from the PR people at Disney and Lucasfilm saying, why are you telling people that this, this, we can tell you this is definitively not true. So I had to, I had to get on my show and go, guys, I, I'm super embarrassed. Apparently what I reported was not true. It's all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, there, just the misinformation out there about 
the relationship publicists have any of and any of these bullshit things made up i guarantee you they're coming from people who have never once had a relationship with a pr department because that's just not how it works anyway there's that rob i, I just want to throw it over to you a second you've had to work with pr people before on, on different ways both as a creator and a filmmaker who've had pr people yeah. working on your project for you and on the other side as well what would you add to that well one of the things that the studios already know if their movies are good or bad Yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, the publicity people already know. So it's like if you're going to pan a movie that comes out like a Baywatch or something, I, I think like you, John, I think most of us look at things and want them to be good. Like who takes pleasure if something's bad? You know, unless uh, for whatever reason. I mean, it takes so long and it's so hard to make movies. I want them all to be good. And so do the studios. They're hoping. They don't, they don't like, let's green light this mediocre piece of shit that uh, we hope that the uh, two big stars are going to be in. No one does that. You go in thinking that your movie is going to win every Academy Awards. I love what Aaron says. Aaron says, every time I land a new role, I already start rehearsing my Emmy acceptance speech in my head. It's absolutely true. <laughs> and so, but when you're working with a studio, they know. So they don't, they're more surprised if you write a nice review of something like a Baywatch. They're like, wow, that's very nice. But you know, the, the whole thing is we, we do not benefit by shilling or as uh, we don't get any benefit by reviewing something positively like i don't sit there and go i'm gonna review the next jj abrams star trek movie in a positive fashion because maybe jj will call me up and go wow rob i'm really surprised that you actually gave a star trek movie i made a nice review would you like to be in the crew of the yeah, next yeah. How, how about you consult and i'll put you on the writing staff for the next <laughs> star trek whatever that's just not going to happen there's no you cannot curry favor with studios and uh, like I said, somebody even accused me on Twitter this weekend. They're like, oh, well, you're talking about the third season of Picard as it's really good. But clearly, you've said online that you're happy to just talk about anything and say it's great if they pay you enough money. Well, clearly, Paramount has paid you enough money. And I'm like, honey, there isn't enough money in the world you could get me to lie about Star Trek. Nope. Uh, it's, Nobody it's, does that. By the way, just, I want to just point out one other thing, too. So, like... Part of being fair is being open with the audience. Yeah. There was a time, there are two separate occasions where I was on the payroll of a studio. Two separate occasions. Once I was on the payroll of Lionsgate because I was running a show called Film HQ yep. for Comic-Con's streaming service, uh, Comic-Con HQ, which was also being run by Lionsgate. So whenever I had to review a movie that was associated with Lionsgate, I always gave that disclaimer. Just so you guys know, I run Film HQ. Film HQ is bankrolled by Lionsgate. I am on Lionsgate's bankroll. And then I would proceed to shit on Lionsgate's movie. But I had to give that disclaimer. The other time, of course, was when my wife was a bigwig over at Hasbro. And there was a movie coming out associated with a Hasbro thing. And I would say, hey, guys, just to give you full disclaimer, half of my household income comes from Hasbro, just so you know, as I review this movie, and then I would proceed to shit all over the movie. But it's it just, it, you just got to be open and disclose that sort of yeah. stuff. But, but the point is, is that neither Hasbro or Lionsgate came up to you and said, John, here's a six-figure check to talk very favorably about our product. That doesn't happen. They don't even have a division at the studio. All studio money, all expenditures are very, I mean, they're meticulously poured over. They know what doll, where every dollar goes. There is not a department in a studio that's to pay off reviewers. No. The good reviews department, where they're <laughs> like, here, we're sending you out a, your $2,500 check to write another good review. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. No one does that. Anyway, Chris, you got anything you want to add on to this? I would love to add the worst swag I ever got. 
Y'all remember the movie Diana with Kristen Stewart? Oh, yeah. Right? It focused a lot on Diana's eating disorder, and there's that whole scene with her, like, kind of puking up pearls, right? They gave us cupcakes covered in edible pearls. Nice. <laughs> it's like, That's fantastic. So I just watched what felt like a five-hour film about <laughs> eating disorders, and then I'm handed this cupcake, and was just like, this is so... No. Was Do it you I, I couldn't eat it. Where Come I was just on. like, I... Knowing mm, what it was. Yeah. Anyway, guys... Uh, you guys have probably ha- heard all these BS Sensor. things out there. And, and I hope I gave you just a little bit more context to how that all works. If you have any other questions about it, feel free to email me sometime and ask. Anyway, guys, with that down, let's now move on to a third off the top. Actually, before we do, we want to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's show. I'm sure I'm going to give it a big positive review at some point because they're sponsoring our show. No, I haven't <laughs> seen the show yet, but it does look damn good. We are being sponsored today by the upcoming new series on Peacock. The Resort. We want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode, the new Peacock series, The Resort. In Peacock's must-see new series, there's more than just trouble in paradise. There's a flip phone, a disappearance, and a suspiciously timed hurricane. The Resort, a new Peacock original from the creators of Palm Springs and Mr. Robot, is an unexpected exploration of how love, marriage, and family can be a real trip. When a couple finds an old flip phone in the jungle on an anniversary getaway, they are unknowingly pulled into an unsolved mystery, a bizarre case that went cold 15 years prior when a once-in-a-century storm wiped away all evidence. This journey through the Mayan Riviera will take you from the edge of your seat to the depths of human experience and back again. Starring William Jackson Harper, Kristen Miliati, Luis Gerardo Mendez, and Nick Offerman, the resort is streaming July 28th only on Peacock. All right, and big thank you to our friends over at Peacock and their new show, The Resort, for sponsoring this episode of The John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's do one more off the top here, and that's this. As we were just talking about, Comic-Con has now come and gone. The first live in-person Comic-Con, other than the little special one they did a few months ago, the real first full-fledged Comic-Con they've had in a few years due to the pandemic, was back. How did it work out? There were some big hopes. There were some big expectations. But at the end of the day... It ended up pretty much being everything I said it was going to be and what I expected it to be, with two big, big exceptions. Number one, I said I did not expect it. I said I wouldn't bet money on it, but I was hoping for it, and I believe I had reason to hope. Dwayne The Rock Johnson posts a lot of pictures of Superman. Henry still has never denied that he's still coming back as Superman. Henry Cavill's manager is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's manager. They got the Black Adam movie coming out. I had so much of my heart, so much of my, nay, my soul, (laughs) invested in the hopes, nay, the belief, the dream that at the Warner Brothers panel at Comic-Con that Henry Cavill would come out on stage and forevermore rename Hall H to Hall Henry. It would have been a glorious day for fandom. Children would have been conceived. Countries would have celebrated. Wars would have ceased. It would have been a great day for humanity. Alas, it was not to be. As the Warner Brothers panel came and went and nary a sight like that, even when the panel ended, I expected them to go, oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Even when the panel ended, I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I expected. That the the lights would go go down 
that the lights would go down at the panel, say, thanks for coming, everybody. See you next time. But but then 10 seconds after the lights went down, they come back up. No, just one more thing. And, Henry and it never happened. And I wept <laughs> like a baby. I wept. I was so heartbroken that didn't happen. So that was the one thing. But I, I, but the DC panel, for all intents and purposes, it was exactly what we said it was going to be. They were going to show some footage of Black Adam, the show new trailer for Shazam, which we're going to talk about more a little bit later. Uh, and then, of course, the Marvel panel happened, and it was exactly what we said it would be. We said they are going to give us details about projects we already know about. We're going to get some release dates. We're going to see some trailers and some footage that we haven't seen, but all for things that we already know about. They're probably going to announce Avengers Secret Wars, which they did. The one big thing, though, that was totally unexpected to me, like this one caught me totally off guard, was they announced not just the one Avengers movie with Secret Wars. They announced the second one which is actually coming first. So that one's going to come first. The Kang Dynasty, which will come first, and then Avengers uh, Secret Wars will come after that. I think getting released within six months of each other, which is very exciting. So that that hats off to Marvel. That was the one big surprise. Everything else was exactly what a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of you guys thought. New information about projects we already know about. No big new casting information. No new project announcements other than the Avengers stuff, which we kind of knew they'd do Avengers anyway. No big director announcements. No Fantastic Four, which is what lost Rob the bet. Oh, um, man. But, you know, but, but I believed going in. I said, look, just showing the Black Panther trailer is going to generate that buzz that they need to generate. And even though a lot of the stuff they talked about was just details about projects we already knew about, there were some pretty excited details. For example, we all knew the Daredevil project was coming. How many episodes? Eight. Eighteen. Uh-huh. Not six. Not this bullshit six-episode nonsense. Eighteen episodes. Which, again, I'm going to hold off on that because we're going to talk about that again a little later. Uh, we got uh, release dates for some things. We got a little more detail. But again, it was exactly what I think most people expected it would be. Sure. New details of projects we already know. Some new trailers, some footage, Avengers, Secret Wars. But again, the big, big one to me was that bonus Avengers movie. And I think that was the big shock and surprise. This tells me two things. One, or at least observation number one, is that I think it was a very successful Comic-Con. I think, you know, just even just showing trailers for projects we already knew were coming was enough to create a lot of pop and a lot of buzz coming out of San Diego. Um, I think it worked very, very well. I, I, I mean, just from sheer volume, volume, unfortunately, there in some previous years past, DC has found ways to one up Marvel many times at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, this year wasn't that a case. It was it was kind of overshadowed quite a bit by the Marvel one. But still, I mean, well, that could have been fixed. If this guy had come out on stage, I mean, it just would have been it just would have been DC's Comic Con, but they didn't want to do that. That's fine. Um, so yeah, number one, I think it was very successful. I think it worked really well for them. But number two is this: it's all about D twenty three. It is all about D twenty three. This was, I think, it might have been you, Chris, that suggested this. Marvel approached Comic Con this year as the appetizer. Yep. Here's a little sample. It's the amuse bouche. Here's the little taste. It's the crack dealer at your local 7-Eleven. First one's free. Here, take a little hit of this. Now come to Anaheim. Now, exactly. (laughs) Come to Anaheim now, because now the stage has been set. 
There's going to be Fantastic Four announcements at Anaheim. We are going again. I, I should preface this by saying I don't have insider information on that. This is just my observations and my my speculation as a doing what I do. But come on, they're going to announce Fantastic Four at Anaheim. They are going to announce a director and at least some cast there. We are going to hear about brand new projects we've never heard of before. We are going to have people walk on stage that we had no idea was associated with the MCU and stuff like that. There are going to be bombs dropped in Anaheim, California at D23 in September. It's going to be massive. And you can just tell that by the lack of those things from the Comic-Con panel. Again, with exception to the Kang Dynasty Avengers thing, which was the one big one that really surprised me and a pleasant surprise at that. But overall, I thought it was what we expected it to be, but what we expected was pretty good, and I think it was pretty damn good. And we'll talk about some of the specific things a little bit later. But Rob, Comic-Con is now in the history books. In the history books. And, uh, and how do you gauge this? Because I think there was some worry from a bunch of people, a lot of us, that... You know, there hadn't been a Comic-Con in a number of years. You know, are people going to want to go back? Oh, people went back. It's like, how do you think they did with their first one back? I think they did great. I mean, you know, I'm a, say I'm a Comic-Con veteran. I've been going to Comic-Con since 1988. And I've watched Comic-Con grow and change. And it's vastly different than it was the first time I went. But I think, you know, people were happy. There was a lot of people there. The The floor was packed. I've, I've even heard from some people that got COVID when they were there. So we'll see. But I thought for the most part, it was, it was, there was an excitement in the air. It was palpable, smiles on everyone's faces, good cosplay, a lot of families together, multi-generations, grandparents, parents, kids. I, you know, it was the Comic-Con that I remember. It hasn't really changed. I didn't feel that there was a dampening in the air. There was a lot of stuff still off-site. So if you weren't on the convention center, you went into the gas lamp, there was places to go, things to see, pop-up stores, uh, the retailers, the the restaurants seem to be doing well. And, um, you know, I didn't spend a lot of this this year. Usually I go for five days. I was only down there for the last day, Sunday, when I had a panel. But for the most part, it was the Comic-Con I knew and remember. And I think that people were having a really good time. Chris, you saw all the stuff coming out. Yeah. All the reports. I mean, listen, e- even some before the week, the weekend hit, because we talked about, you know, the new Lord of the Rings trailer, the new House of, House Dragon, of Dragon trailer. Uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons trailer, which I still I contend was pretty damn delightful. It's so cute. But you know, then we we had the big day. We had the Saturday came. How do you think it did? How do you think that that big Saturday kind of measured up with what we heard coming out? I mean, I've got to eat a little crow because I was so so convinced that both Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman would be there. Where I was like, why would you talk about adding them to Disney Plus? They're going to be there absolutely. So I will take that L. Um, I did. I think they did exactly what they set out to do. Well. Maybe not everyone. I don't think The Rock anticipated getting booed about Superman beating up Superman. Um, <laughs> gotta, you gotta know when to play that, Rock. Come on. But I think they did a great job teasing what's to come. And, I, and like we've been saying, D23 is going to be the big thing. That's where everything is going to go down. That's where we're going to have our big announcements, where we're going to see more footage and things like that. That is the main attraction. But this was really, really great. And it was a good first Comic-Con back, I think. By the way, one really nice moment... I thought was during the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 part of the presentation, James Gunn came out on stage and he said something that was really cool. He said, hey, guys, just so you know, he said to the audience, today, Saturday, is the exact 10-year anniversary of when I got on a plane to fly to meet with Kevin Feige to give him my pitch for Guardians of the Galaxy. 
today is the 10 year anniversary of that. And I thought that was really cool to see how far they've come. He's gone from a brunette to a white haired guy in the meantime <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. They brought the cat. I mean, I just thought it was a really, really nice moment. Anyway, guys, question is for you. As many of us sitting at home, seeing the reports coming out, how do you feel that Comic-Con measured up? I still think they pretty, maybe not, not a grand slam, but maybe a good one or two run home run. I, I think they did a really good job with that. I think the buzz was good. Some really good stuff happened. How do you feel about it? Were you let down by it? Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, we're now going to move into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, that's simple. You guys come up with them. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, we need you to write to us. Just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campius show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first one comes from Donald Freed. So, nope, didn't do as well as the, at the box office as some people <laughs> thought. I think you came closest with 51 million. Anyway, I was reading that with a $44 million opening, it's still the biggest opening for any original film since Jordan Peele's last movie, Us, in 2019. How significant of an achievement do you think that is? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Donald. And yeah, of course, last week we talked about Nope. I went to go see it. I enjoyed the film. It's a good movie. Uh, I don't think it's Jordan Peele's best. I put it in between, you know, not as good as Get Out, better than this or than us. I almost said this is us. That's a totally different property. <laughs> That's a totally different property. Um, so, yeah, I kind of put in there I, I, again. Great tension. Fantastic performances. I had some issues with the execution of it, but whatever. It was pretty darn good. But the reality is. It's doing pretty damn good. This comes to us from the folks over at Screen Rant who write the following. Nope has pulled in a total of $44 million at the domestic box office in its opening weekend, making it number one. This result was slightly lower than the expected gross of around $50 million. I pegged it at 51 personally. Anyway, unfortunately. However, that still makes the film the highest opening for a non-IP original film since Us, another Jordan Peele film, which had an opening of $71 million. Not only does Nope have the highest opening for an original film in quite some time, but it is also one of the three original films to hit number one at the box office for their opening weekend in 2022. The other two were the Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum adventure rom-com The Lost City, which I actually kind of liked, uh, which opened to $30.5 million, and the Boz Lerman-helmed uh, music biopic Elvis, which made $31.2 million. All right. There's some interesting numbers here. So... Um, yeah, I pegged it around 51, so I was off by about 70 million. Uh, came in, I think Ray called 85 million. So, <laughs> 81 million. 81 million. Ray called 81 That's a million. little. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I, so $44 million, a little below expectations, but I think another solid sign, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the box office is getting back to where it was pre-pandemic levels. And the very fact that now... You know, we've had movies like Lost City with big stars and we've had movies like Elvis and all that kind of stuff. And that this is the biggest original release film since Jordan Peele's last one, which is a nice little feather in the cap for Jordan Peele as well, that he can make that claim. So is it as big as a lot of people were maybe speculating or hoping it would be? No, not quite that big, but a $44 million take for a modestly produced 
Like there's not, a, I don't, I'd, I'd be very curious to see the production budget on this because I don't think it's terribly high. Right. Not, there's not a lot of actors in it. It's kind of shot out in the desert, whatever. I think this has got to be looked at as a really good win for them. Certainly another feather in the cap for Jordan Peele. And yeah, so anyway, Chris, you see the box office results mm-hmm. for Nope. What do you think? I mean, it's it's a little disappointing that it didn't do as well as predicted, but yeah, Jordan Peele's crushing it. He's bringing in money on original IP. That's fantastic. I got to see Nope this weekend. Um, I do I do think it's a little lackluster personally. Um, <gasps> I know, I know. It's it, there's some really great sci-fi storytelling going on here. But as far I I went into this expecting to get spooked, y'all. I expected to be scared. Come on, and I wasn't. The the, the horse barn scene when. Daniel walks into the horse. Tell me that scene like wasn't great with tension. That was really, really well done. Yeah, that was a Um, great scene. And there's one really great moment um, where something just crashes, basically, that Logan screamed, and it was the funniest thing ever. (laughs) Everyone in our theater was just like, you okay? But, you know, for the most part, though, I I think he's had a, a little bit of trouble kind of putting the genie back in the bottle, if you will, from that magic that we got from Get Out, because that is just such a perfect film, in my opinion. Um, but hopefully, you know, this this just shows that people should be investing in original IP, though, because people want to see it. Rob, uh, I mean, not as high as maybe some predicted, but still the highest opening for original film since his last film. What do you make of the results? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I think you have to temper the expectations. And I, I, I guessed it would make more. Um, but like you pointed out, this movie is not a, a, a it's not breaking anyone's bank, you know, and I think Jordan Peele himself the fact that he hasn't taken on some giant tentpole property and is cashing in now in Hollywood, you've got three original movies that you've created. That's you should be directing that have all been profitable that have all been profitable. And I think that he's managing his career. What what you get when you essentially get a win like this, it's a, it's still a win. He has three original films that he's now an auteur. He's written and directed once. eh, you You got lucky second film, even though we didn't love it, it still did well. Then people like that movie. Now he's got three original visions that he wrote and directed. No one can take that away from him. He's now a Hollywood, an established Hollywood creative force. And not that he wasn't, because I loved Key and Peele and I Mm -hmm. love what he was doing, but now theatrically. I mean, now when they're taking movies out of theaters, let's put them up on streaming to have a movie come out and have all three movies make money. That's a big deal. And he's now a bankable director that can work with any studio in town. Is it wrong that sometimes... I secretly hope that Keegan and Jordan's careers go downhill a bit just so they get back together and do some more Key and Peele specials. <laughs> uh, I, is that bad? Is that wrong with I me? I want them to do it. I want more Key and Peele. I want a feature film. Yeah, I like, would love like, to see them do a feature film I would film love together. to, you know, whether it's like, you know, how Lauren yeah, Michaels... Yeah, how many, fun as hell. How many, yeah. how many skits did Lauren Michaels turn into movies from Saturday Night Live? I mean, everything. Some from, would say too many, Rob. Well, t- yes, there's <laughs> probably too many. But I think uh, Key and Peele, they could do, like, Key and Peele present... Something. What? Well, what was the one they did about the dog? Keanu wasn't oh, it? Keanu. It's about a that, cat. That, yeah. Oh, about a cat. Right. Yeah. That. That wasn't great. Wasn't great. Wasn't that wasn't great. great unfortunately. It was fun. You know, whoever worked on. I'm um, just got to say, whether you like the movie or not, whoever worked on the the shots of the actual object in the sky, like flying in the Looked sky. Great. Oh yeah. That that stuff was really cool to the point where the whole weekend, every now and then, I would look up in the sky and be like. I wonder if there's something. I knew you there. would. As soon when I was watching this movie with you, I know Ray's going to be looking up at the sky. Like I guarantee he's going to be. Anyway, guys, question is for you. It did open at number one, the highest opening for any original IP movie since Jordan Peele's last movie, 
a little lower than expectations. So what do you feel about that? Did you see the movie? Did you like it? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to take a second here and thank another one of the sponsors of today's show, Ryan Reynolds and his company, Mint Mobile. Hey, guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Ryan Reynolds, and specifically his delightful company, Mint Mobile. You know the one with the delightful ads with good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds? So look, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, is that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just $15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, this is no joke. I have been using Mint Mobile for months now. And on top of the fact that I'm spending literally about one third every month of what I was spending on my former major carrier, I've discovered no decline in my service. I kept my phone number and I was able to keep my phone. The switch from my old service to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier and saved me more money. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show remember guys you can find the links to our sponsors and all the promo codes down in the description of this video just go and click on that there and remember when you support our sponsors you're actually supporting us on the show so thank you again to mint mobile all right guys let's now move on to main topic number two Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Mr. Mister. When the She-Hulk trailer came out, I admit, I didn't love it as much as everyone else. I mean, it looked fun, but there was just something about it that didn't hook me. Anyway, I watched this new trailer, and it was pretty awesome. It was entertaining, the fourth wall breaks were actually pretty neat, and those reveals were hype-inducing. Anyway, I know you really liked the first trailer, so what are your thoughts on this new one? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks for sending that in, Mr. Mister. And yeah, listen, I have been surprised. I mean, I'm not one of these, I'm not a big She-Hulk guy. Like I've, I've always had a little bit of a bias against derivative characters. Like you got Hulk, you have she Hulk, you have flash, you have, what's his name? Kid flash, Kid flash. speedy. I almost call him little flash. Uh, yeah, they, I'm not a big fan of these derivative characters. Uh, usually. Right. Superboy. But when they announced, yeah, Superman, Superboy, like, but when they announced she Hulk, I thought, okay, that's interesting. And I said, you know what? If, I remember even long before the first trailer came out, we talked about this. And I said, you know what, though? If they do She-Hulk like an Ally McBeal in the MCU, I'll be on board for this if they take that kind of approach with it. And so, yeah, when that first trailer came out, I liked it quite a bit because it did exactly what I was kind of hoping. It had that, that Ally McBeal procedural comedy within the world of the MCU kind of setup. And I thought... Personally, it was delightful. I like. I was really charmed by. It. I laughed a lot at it. Like it says, like fear and what is it? Fear and panic or whatever. And she goes, those are the two baselines emotions for any woman. I like. <laughs> I just laughed my ass off at it. I thought it was really great. Of course, there was some stuff about the visual effects a little, a little questionable. 
Then they reissued it to look better, all that kind of stuff. So they come out with a new trailer that they released at Comic-Con. And they give us a little bit of a better sense of the world that it's in and all that kind of stuff. And I will say this. I quite like the trailer. I do. I quite like it. Let me give you my two concerns about it. And these, I, I'm only speaking for myself. So my two complaints. And both of these I kind of insinuated about the last She-Hulk trailer. Number one, the super is no longer unusual in the world of the MCU. This is something I've feared for many years that eventually they, they keep expanding the MCU so much that pretty soon there's nothing extraordinary about any of these people anymore. Like you watch like the original Spider-Man movie, right? And it's like, this dude with powers, he is truly unique in this world. And they told the story that way. You get you know, the X-Men movies. These are individuals that are unique in this world and thus are hated and feared as a result of it. That was unique in that world. The MCU now I've always, I've joked about, but like you go to any 7-Eleven in the MCU and there's 18 superheroes sitting on the roof patrolling for crime. I mean, there's- or buying crack out front. Or buying crack out front. Because you know, like the boys teaches us, even superheroes have their vices, right? So hero orgasm. So I I've always been kind of worried about it. And you when you watch the She-Hulk trailer, it really leans into that. Everybody has superpowers now. People's superpowers everywhere in that world. And there is literally now nothing special about an individual that has remarkable powers. It's like, oh yeah, it's Tuesday. Everybody does. They even just show people leaving work by jumping out windows and, you know, committee members, yeah, now I've got powers. So like so that's a concern to me. Again, that is not a problem with She-Hulk, though, so I shouldn't pin it on She-Hulk. Because that's not She-Hulk's fault. That's everything that's happened in the MCU now. So that's just one thing about the MCU that I, I don't love is that now there's nothing special about any of these characters. Second thing that bothers me is the continued neutering of Hulk. The continued neutering of Hulk. I get it. The comics are the comics. The MCU is the MCU. They are different. One borrows from the other and is influenced by the other, but they are not the same. Just because something happens in the comics, I do not expect that to happen to thing. But Hulk is the world breaker. Hulk is the ultimate nuclear option. Hulk is the guy who is so powerful that the most powerful beings on earth had to had to conduct a meeting amongst themselves, call themselves the Illuminati, and saying, we can't deal with Hulk. We got to send him somewhere. And then when he came back, he's pissed. And not every single superpowered being on the planet could stand against him. Save Sentry. Yes. But even that got fought Thanks to a draw. That. <laughs> I, knew yes. I knew Ray would like that. Even it. that was fought to a draw. He came back and started hunting all of them. And even when like all the X-Men... Try to stand between Hulk and Xavier. Good luck. This is Hulk. Ain't nothing going to stop him because he's Hulk. And that, that was kind of our Hulk in the MCU for a little while until the Russo brothers took over. And I love the Russo brothers movies. Don't get me wrong. My one little itchy complaint is I, I just don't like the way they kind of neutered Hulk. And you know what? It's funny because the Russo brothers talked about that recently. They said they kind of said they did that on purpose because it's like, what do you do with Hulk? Because he's Hulk. So what do you do? And you know what? I respect that. That That is actually, that is a conundrum. But I I, I kind of don't like that. So when I first watched this trailer, and you know I also don't like taking heroes that I completely love and making them jobbers. 
And I'm watching this new trailer for Hulk. It's like, Hulk throws a big stone. She-Hulk, ha, throws it further. You know, all that kind of stuff. Now, a friend of mine did point out, John, watch the trailer again. When Hulk threw the stone, he was just like, She-Hulk like fully leaned into it and gave it. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I'll give you that. That 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 made me feel a little bit better. But those are my two little complaints that I, I think that the MCU continues to neuter Hulk. And the fact that, again, it's just the spreading of the MCU thing there. But with that whining and crying out of the way, the trailer in and of itself is still great. I love Roth's abomination. I've mm-hmm. always loved him since that old Hulk movie. I've loved I've been waiting for them for them to bring him back in a meaningful way. And it looks like he may not be in a lot of this show. I don't know. But it looks like his character is like a central figure as to what's going to be happening in this world. I thought the humor works. That little fourth wall break. Uh, if you just want to go back to being a lawyer, I respect that. He doesn't mean that. And then Hulk looks back at her. Like, I love that moment. I still think this show is going to be great. I really do. I think I'm going to be charmed by it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Only nine episodes, not only nine episodes, but at least it's not six anymore. So I got yeah. nine episodes. I'm excited about it. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to see the new mm-hmm. Hulk trailer, Hulk trailer, She-Hulk trailer, She-Hulk trailer with special guest star Hulk. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? Oh, it's charming AF. I love this. I'm so <laughs> excited about it. I love the fleabag sensibility of it. And for me, the, the Hulk-She-Hulk relationship makes sense for him in this one, right? Because it, it didn't seem like a jobber so much as a mentor, Yeah, I guess. So I had a kind of different perspective on it, especially because of She-Hulk's history and everything of getting shot by Nick Trask and then getting the blood transfusion. Like, what do you do once you get superpowers in a way that you did not mean to get them? How do you do this? Especially when you have a cousin who kind of is more like a brother to you, who's been going through this for years and years. You have a mentorship. So that made sense to me. Seeing Emil, seeing Juan, seeing, oh my gosh, Jamila Jamil, as Titania. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be. I'm so I'm, excited. I'm not big on the costume. I, I'm not big on her costume. No. But I am excited to That's see her in fair. there. That's By fair. the way, that opening shot of her sleeping and you just slowly see the hand with mm-hmm. the horn come into frame. Yeah. I'm like that. That's a great it's shot. It's so good. And that. then, of course, our big closing moment, though. The best part of that is just seeing two sticks at the end of that trailer. Right. Which leads us into something that I am now ready to reveal to the world. Oh, are you going to do it? I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. I'm not going. I'm not going to give all the details about it, but yeah. I am going to do it. So oh, here, here it goes. Here's the big reveal. Wow, you, I thought this day would never come. Here though. it is. So uh, we will we will give it here now. So, you guys remember last year, I got sent a bunch of pictures that I frankly didn't think were real. I published about a, a couple of them. They were Spider-Man pictures, and I was getting ready to publish a couple more. And when I found out that the pictures I had were actually real, so I held on to this other one. And I told you guys about that. So we've got this other picture that was more surprising. And then Rob and I went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home, and we both said, that picture was not in Spider-Man No Way Home, which means that picture was to something else. I will not, I am now ready to tell you guys what it was. Although I won't give you specific details because I want to make sure it doesn't give anything away. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So I won't give the details of the picture, but I will tell you basically this. The picture was of Tatiana Mislani and, uh, and Charlie Cox in the picture together. I won't say what the context was or anything like that, but uh, it was sent to me in the same batch as the other one. So we thought that, oh, my God. Tatiana, like She-Hulk and Daredevil will be in Spider-Man No Way Home together. defending Peter Parker. Or something something like that, right? Didn't know. Um, But that's what it was for. So now that they have publicly revealed 
that Charlie Cox is in She-Hulk, I can now tell you that that's what that picture was. And I'm very excited to see the actual that the actual scene of the images that we have. But I've been sitting on that for like seven months. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I can finally tell you that that's not. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see uh, the trailer for She-Hulk. What did you think of it? I, I thought it looked delightful. It looks, it looks just like what I wanted this show to be. You know, yeah. I had a friend who did some work on the show and was explaining there's a lot of fourth wall breaking and how much fun it's going to be. And, you know, I really like John Byrne as a creator, as a comic creator. I like John Byrne's run on, on She-Hulk and, and what he did with, with that character throughout the Marvel Comics universe. And, I mean, this show looks like it's fun. Like, I'm tired of the world ending and these apocalyptic notions from every one of these movies. What's it like to be a superhero who has a day job? I, I, to me, that's comedy gold. What do you do? And this looks like you, we, we've got that. And like Chris said, I like the Hulk, the Hulk mentor relationship. I mean, it seems like he's much more of an older brother almost. Yeah, yeah. And I really kind of like that because the thing is, you know, we talk about World Breaker Hulk, but in the comics, Hulk also, during um, Peter David's run, went to Vegas and was a bouncer. Oh, yeah. Mr. Fix-It. Mr. Fix-It. And, That's and right. it's, it's, it's like he was gray. You know, so Hulk's done a lot of things. And I... I like that. I mean, I like I like the absurdity of seeing a character like Hulk put in everyday situations. Just like I really enjoyed what they did with Hulk and Ragnarok when he was, you know, a gladiator. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the uh, I wish they'll never do this, but I would love to see them do the Maestro storyline where Hulk's taken over the world, all the, the heroes are dead, and he's surrounded by harems of beautiful women, and he's basically he's the emperor of the world. And George Perez drew that. Uh, I love that two issue miniseries, and it was crazy. I love them to do. They'll, they're never going to do that, yeah. but it would be cool if they as, did. As long as they never do the old man Logan Hulk. Well, that's I don't <laughs> want that at all. You don't want those Hulk kids? Oh my gosh, the hillbilly Hulks. Yeah, you don't want the uh... the only person I could sleep with was my cousin. Like, no, <laughs> no, don't do that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's the really distra- That's the part of old man Hulk that people don't really talk a lot about, and, and for good reason. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see the new trailer for She-Hulk? If so, what did you think about it? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? This comes from Avocados at Law, the law firm of Nelson and Murdoch. Mm. (laughs) Kevin Feige gave us a lot of new shows and movies that will be coming in phase five and six. But one that stood out to me was Daredevil Born Again. Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character, and I'm glad to see that he's in the MCU. But I was sad to hear that it was going to be a Disney Plus show, since I believe Charlie Cox's Daredevil deserves his own movie. However, my mood changed significantly when I heard something said by Kevin Feige himself. He said that the show would be 18 episodes. Woo! They're actually going to make a proper TV show out of this, and they clearly are giving his character a lot of attention and hopefully will give it the respect it deserves. Tell you what. That was the best news to come out of uh, Marvel's panel to me. Mm-hmm. That was the best news. Not the most surprising. Uh, that, that was obviously Avengers, but uh, or Avengers, uh, the Kang one. But this was the best news. A proper TV show for Daredevil, which was so great. Now, of course, every you all knew, everybody knew they were going to announce a Daredevil show. We all knew that project was coming, blah, blah. But this 18-episode thing is fantastic. It means they can actually tell a multi-layered story. It means they can have secondary characters that have 
substantial and meaty subplots in it. Like when you look at like other certain, like when you look at succession or things like that, you could actually really get into the drama. When you make these really short things, you can go, all you can really do is stick pretty surface and get through the surface stories and blah, blah, blah. This is going to allow them to go deep, uh, to, to get into storylines. I think, and here's the key thing too. The season doesn't have to have one story. With 18 episodes, the season literally could maybe cover three different story arcs and, and whatever. Whatever the case is, I just love the fact that it means for nearly four months, we are going to be able to, for four months, talk about Daredevil every week. Which, come on, who is not excited about that? Come on, this is great. First of all, She-Hulk is not going to be the six-episode BS. They're doing nine, and now we're here in Daredevil. 18? I mean, listen, I'm not saying every Disney Plus show needs to be 18 episodes. I, I'm not saying that. But if this is a sign that they're going to move away from this BS six-episode nonsense that just does not work, then I think this is great news. And the fact that they're doing it with Daredevil is extra special. I want to throw one thing out there, though. It is still a little bit of a mystery as to is this or is this not the exact same daredevil that we had in the netflix series because you know charlie cox has made some statements before that has pretty much made it sound like it's not the identical daredevil to that right. but nobody's come out and said definitively it's not nobody has said that right i still believe it's going to be my thought right now is and i and i'm totally open to getting new information and changing my mind about this but right now my thought still remains this is going to be a very similar Charlie Cox Daredevil that we had in the Netflix series, but I don't think they're going to say it's the exact one. I don't think I don't think they're going to bring what was the Netflix shows into the official MCU. They might. I'm not saying they're definitively not, but I'm saying my guess is that they're not. And I'll tell you what, the title to me kind of points to that. Now, of course, Daredevil Born Again, it's it's that's a recognizable understanding. Yeah. But I think there's more to it than that. I think the title Daredevil Born Again is also symbolic of this is our new Charlie Cox Daredevil. I, again, I don't know that. I'm not going to be shocked if Kevin Feige comes out and confirms that it's the same one as the other universe. All open to that. But I, when I heard the title, that's the first thing my mind went to was that not only is it this great story, but I think they specifically chose that as a title because it's kind of symbolic that this is the new Daredevil. I, again, that's just me speculating and, and taking a wild guess. Whatever. I'm just thrilled it's coming back. I think he's great in this role. I think it would have been perfectly fine if they recast it and did something different. That would have been fine. But I am super happy that it's him and that he's back. Stardust Boy is back yeah. as Daredevil, which I'm very excited about. Hey, Rob, you heard the announcement, the 18 episodes, the Born Again, uh, Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio. What stood out to you the most in all this? Well, first, you know, Daredevil is one of my favorite MCU characters. And I really loved the three seasons of the Netflix show. I thought they were good. Uh, this born again. That third story, season, I think, is so. I, I I think the third season is underrated. I do too. I thought the third season was just it's fantastic. Mwah, yeah, like, just so great. And obviously, this storyline, which they touched on in the Mark Stephen Johnson Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. I mean, the born again storyline was when Frank Miller came back to the comic, and it's a really interesting. Like if they're gonna, like they do with Marvel, they 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 call something they they touch upon they use 
classic stories as jumping off points, but I don't expect a direct adaptation of no, they the, never do right? the the Born Again storyline. But there are things in it, like for instance, at the end of that first Born Again issue, his tenement building where he l- lives. Mac Murdoch comes home after having a particularly bad day and his tenement <laughs> Which he has building, often. Yes. His tenement building collapses and on the top of the rubble is his daredevil suit. So, and Matt Murdoch knows that this was Kingpin and he goes, I know it was you Kingpin. And, and when he picks up his suit, there it is right there. You just shouldn't have signed it. See the last panel. Yeah. Cause it, he knows, he knows it. And, and it, it goes from there and, and life for our poor Matt Murdoch gets pretty bad. But it's a great storyline, and I think that it actually, whether it's multiple stories or not, they could take this and 18 episodes, they could string this out as one long epic story, and I think it would, the the, the material would support that story. <clears throat> and it might be multiple storylines, but if it's one, I would love to see one, like you said, attack this from many different angles and really get into the meat and potatoes of it. But either way, very exciting this is, like you said, it's one of the most exciting announcements that came out of Comic-Con, at least for me, because this is such a great storyline. Charlie Cox is so great as Daredevil. And I think I think they're going to say, they might not definitively come out and say it's the same Daredevil, but I kind of think mm, it kind of is. Yeah, I think they're gonna, again. I think they're gonna make it really similar, but they're never gonna say it is. No. So that gives them an out for when they do things in the series that are not consistent with what they did in the Netflix series. Yeah. It gives them an open door to have an out. Because for that. I mean, one of the things that if you're gonna do any Daredevil series, they've already established Elektra, and and I would have thought Kevin Feige of all people, not that I, I really liked how they did Elektra in the Netflix show. But I think Kevin Feige would have done it differently. Right. And I would have th- thought that he might have wanted the opportunity to create his own version of that character. Because yeah. some of the things that they did with it all and the hand, I didn't agree with. But John, my favorite word comes back to mind. Ninja. <laughs> ninja. <laughs> Gotta have the ninja. 18 ninjas. episodes. I want the hand. Ninjas. I want ninjas. You know what, though? Oh, Here's ninjas. the best part. The best part is with 18 episodes, I am very much looking forward to the one dedicated episode of the tracksuit mafia setting up the bombs in his building that are going to bring the building down. That's going to be delightful television. I cannot wait for that. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this announcement, a lot of ground to cover in there. What was your big takeaway from it? Oh, man, I'm so hyped for this because I loved this series so much. It's one of my favorite television openings of all time. I love that opening sequence so much from the uh, old Daredevil show. Um, The fact that it's born again is a little a little interesting to me just because season three had so many born again plot points. Yes. Yeah. You had some of the imagery of the church. You had the mother nun. You had a whole bunch of the things. Matt Murdock essentially becoming destitute because that's a big part of it, right? He is just kind of having his sanity slowly unravel in born again. This is also where we have Karen Page have her very, very dark storyline where so she dark. went off to become an actress, had some success, then fails, gets addicted to heroin, starts doing porn, sells Matt Murdock's identity Identity of the Kingpin. I mean, it's a wild, wild storyline. So like you were saying, it's not going to be a paint by numbers. Let's recreate that. That's yeah. not coming to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, Deadpool's going to stay rated R. I think this Daredevil is going to be a little less uh, violent than what we saw from the Netflix series. But I'm really, really keen to see what they do take from this original story or if they're going to make it more about you know, the, his post blip life or something like that. If it's literally a version of that, of him being born again, in a sense, coming mm-hmm. back from Ooh, the dust. That's a really good observation. See, I, I honestly feel we're going to see this show 
And I, my guess is we're not going to feel a lot of differences tone-wise between what they did on Netflix and here. It will be PG-13, but I, I have always said this, and I still contend, when you go back to the Netflix show, that easily could be a PG-13, with, with a few minor changes here and there. Like, just pure violence, just violence, you're not going to get an R from just violence. Like, yeah. even that whole big hallway and that hallway fight right in daredevil that long so one good. So good. that's not rated r no that's not an r thing well a lot of the violence is off camera too like one of the yes. most horrific things is when fisk kills that guy with a car door you don't <sighs> see anything and that's worse right yeah. <laughs> it's it's the green lantern girlfriend in a refrigerator moment right of you decide like oh this is so much worse because i've decided how it is in my brain you know how grisly that thing is there Ugh. yeah so i i, I think i Again, I don't think we're going to feel or really notice a lot of tonal differences mm -hmm. between that and there, but that's just our guess. Anyway, guys, question is for you. They have announced Daredevil, Born Again, which I think there's a lot of meaning to that title, not just because it's a it's a recognized story, is coming to Disney Plus and it's going to be 18, 18 episodes. I'm very excited about that. Question is for you. What do you think about it? What's your big takeaway? Which part of these announcements stood out to you the most? Whatever that is, jump down to the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. We're going to take a second here from another sponsor of today's video. The folks doing really good work over at BetterHelp. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. You know, in the age of social media, you might think that everybody's life except yours is perfect because everybody always posts the best memories, the most glamorous shots. But you and I both know that's not how life is. We get pitched some serious curveballs and sometimes it seems like a lot of them. And you know, we always encourage each other to get out there and to get into better physical health, going to the gym and eating right. But it's about time we started paying more attention to our mental health as well. And that's where our friends at BetterHelp come in. Because see, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log on to your account anytime and send private messages to your therapist, or you can schedule weekly or phone-only sessions if you're one of those people that's not really comfortable being on camera. And getting therapy every week is as easy as just a few clicks on your laptop or phone. It is time to invest in your own mental health, and BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. And right now, they have a special offer for all of the John Campia Show listeners to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Campia. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Campia. And a big thank you to the folks at BetterHelp, not only for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show, but doing the good work that they are doing. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This one comes from Bruce Wayne. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Billionaire th philanthropist writing in. Uh, during their Comic-Con panel on Saturday, Warner Brothers released the first trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and I thought it was pretty good, capturing the same humor and whimsical tone that made the original so much fun. What did you all think of it? Thanks. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Bruce. And... Uh, yeah. Now, was this the first one or is this the second one? I thought they put out something else earlier. There was like a fandom trailer. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that's something, something like that. that. Right. This the first full meaty trailer. Okay. The first thing I will say about it is I was actually a little bit disappointed at first because they showed us a sizzle of Shazam Fury of the Gods at CinemaCon a couple of months ago. And it involved a running gag in it that included Shazam dumping Wonder Woman. <laughs> That 
was so fun and funny. I was really surprised that they didn't put that in. I, I, they're going to use it in other marketing materials. We get closer to the release, I'm sure. But that aside, I love Shazam, the first Shazam movie. Love it. To me, it's actually the number two or number three best DCEU movie. Mm. Like to me, obviously, number one is Man of Steel. Uh, and then number two, it's a fight between Shazam for me and James Gunn's Suicide Squad as the number two best one. Uh, so those ones can battle it out for number two and three. But I love Shazam. I liked it more than most people did. Like, like this is one of those films where I haven't appreciated. You know, some films I don't appreciate quite as much as more, most people. This is one I absolutely adored. Anna and I went to the theater four or five times to go watch it just because we we always left with a big smile on our face, heart full of love, and just ready to go into the world. Shazam. Love that movie. Been very excited to go back to it as well. And this trailer came out. And you know what? It was very true to the spirit of Shazam. This wasn't the best trailer to come out of Comic-Con, but it was solid and I enjoyed it. And that that scene, we saw images got released a few months ago of uh, Zach Levi sitting at the table with Helen Mirren over some soda and some French fries and like, what's going on there? So they put that scene in there. I thought that was great. Um, I, I just enjoyed it a lot. Again, the best trailer out of Comic-Con? No, probably not even the top two or three. But to me, it was solid. It did the job of a trailer, make me even more excited for it than I already was. I thought it was really good. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see the new trailer for Shazam, Fury of the Gods. What do you think of it? Well, I wasn't as big on Shazam as you were. You know, I, I found I thought it was okay. I didn't love Shazam. I liked it. I really liked this trailer. You know, I loved, because I loved the latter half of the first Shazam when they introduced the Marvel family, because I always loved uh, the Marvel Marvel family when I was a kid. I loved the design of the costumes. I thought all the characters worked really well together. And they're leaning into that in this movie. And I really liked it. That that got me excited. I mean, watching them march down the street toward the camera and, you know, you're gonna go kick ass. And Helen Mirren can do no wrong. And there's it looks like there's just a lot of hilarious stuff in here. And Zachary Levi clearly loves playing Shazam. You can tell he has so much joy. He, doing yeah, this. yeah. And I, it's just infectious. And while... I, I mean, I, I've always loved Shazam because I grew up with the Saturday morning series. They, they had Shazam. There was two different Shazams and then Isis. Um, so I and I love the costume. I love this Shazam costume. I love how they how they realized it in this film. It's one of my favorite things. And they've they've changed it up a bit and they've made it even better. So, you know, watching this trailer again, am I going to get the godfather of superhero movies? No, but that's not what I want. And it looks like they've really leaned into the strengths of the first movie. And they're giving me more of what I loved in the first movie on a bigger, grander scale. And who, I mean, whoever decided to cast Helen Mirren as the villain, because she looks like she's having no, a hell of a time. It's not whoever decided to, it's whoever was able to convince Helen Mirren yeah, to I be mean, in this deserves a medal. You got to give it up for Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. And, and I hope she just chews the heck out of the scenery. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. I, I, I for one, am here for it, John. I, I'm very excited about this movie. I don't know why. I'm more excited than I thought I was going to be. Because as I said, I liked the first movie, but I didn't. This, I'm excited to see. Because it looks to me like this movie knows exactly what it wants to be and is exactly that. One of the things that I really appreciate about the first movie, and they talked about it before it came out. I remember Zach Levi talking about how, you know, a lot of superhero movies, and th he wasn't complaining. He's just saying a lot of superhero movies, it's like, the burden the characters have with these powers and they just wish they never had them and the the, the responsibility weighs on the show he goes 
man, you're a kid and you get superpowers. Woo, you're going to have like the time of your life. And and they really did that in the first one. And I love that they carry that through because he says, I just threw a truck at a freaking dragon. This is awesome or whatever. It's like, yes, that is how a lot of us would feel. And I love the fact that they're carrying that part of it over yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to see the trailer. What did you think of it? I love this because I loved the first Shazam. I think it's great. Like you were saying, Zach Levi loves being Shazam. He does tons of stuff for the Lollipop, uh, Lollipop Theater Network, um, which is this great charity that brings uh, movies to kids who are hospitalized, mostly due to cancer treatments and things like that. And he'll show up to screen he reads to kids. He loves being Shazam. That's awesome. He loves it so, so much. <laughs> great, great organization that y'all should look into, too. But this trailer looks delightful. I'm really excited about it. Obviously, we're going to see this a ton of times in theater because my husband is obsessed with Helen Mirren. That is his celebrity crush. That is his hall pass. He'll never leave me for a younger woman. Very <laughs> Have you ever seen Caligula? What? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yes yes Rob um, <laughs> this looks really really fun and like you were saying the idea of how a kid's perspective is about this I love the opening of it's not even really worrying about being worthy of the suit he's just not as cool as other people like man like <laughs> my siblings are like doing some really cool stuff and then there's all these other awesome guys who like have really cool suits and they have all this really fun stuff I think it's very interesting and worthy of noting that we see Batflex face yep. we see Jason Momoa's face. We don't see the Flash's face. It's very interesting to me that we did well, not. Well, there's, there's a side profile yeah. there. There's, there's, <laughs> you don't know who's in that. Hmm. I just think that's worth noting there. I was very surprised to see the Flash in the trailer. And then when I went, oh, I, we don't know who that is. That's fine. I feel Elliot like we're Page. also. It's, I love it to be on the page. I feel like we're also just setting some things up already. A little a little PR move here to just be like, just don't even worry about who that is. Don't even worry about it. That movie doesn't exist. Anyway. But I'm excited about this trailer. I, I Again, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think I, between that and, you know, The Rock coming out and doing this thing, I, I thought while it should have been Hall Henry Day, uh, I, I thought alt overall the DC presentation was actually quite good, and, and this was one of the highlights of it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see the Shazam! Fury of the Gods trailer? If so, what did you think of it? Maybe you're kind of more down into the darker, more serious superhero films, and the lighter ones don't do it for you. That's totally cool. Maybe you loved it like we did. Whatever you guys thought, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? This one comes from Kevin Rubio. John, Kevin! Our buddy Kevin. You have long lamented that you thought that the proper way to carry on Chadwick Boseman's legacy was to not discard, but instead recast T'Challa. Yes. At the San Diego Comic-Con Marvel panel this weekend, Ryan Coogler said, quote, Wakanda is more than just Black Panther. With the cultural impact of the first film and the new trailer dropping and showing the power and beauty of Wakanda's people, Angela Bassett, anyone? What are your thoughts now? After all, the cry is not T'Challa forever, nor Black Panther forever. It is Wakanda forever. All right, thanks for sending that in, Kevin. Of course, Kevin is a buddy of ours. He's a creative force in Hollywood and made the, still to this day, the greatest Star Wars fan film of all time (laughs) in uh, Troops. Troops. If you have not seen Troops, go watch Troop. It is still the standard bearer, I, I believe, of, of Star Wars fan films. At that, anyway, let me first talk about what Ryan Coogler said. Ryan Coogler, who is like one of the best directors in Hollywood right now. Um, you, you're right that Wakanda is about more than Black Panther. Of course it is. The world is about more than Superman. But we still make Superman movies. And yes, it, it is bigger than Black Panther, but the movie is still called Black Panther. And yes, I still, to this day, believe 
that the best thing for them to do was would, would have been to recast T'Challa. The, the character is too vital, too important, too culturally significant. What what you know Chadwick Boseman did to bring that character to the forefront of not only pop culture but of the MCU and everything, and and globally on a very social level, I think that should have been carried on. I have not changed on that. I still believe that. That said, I have always said that I have 100% belief in Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige that they are going to deliver something great. I have no doubt about that. But whether what they deliver is great or not doesn't change the fact that I still believe the right thing to do would have been to recast it. But they didn't, and so we move on. And we focus on what's in front of us. And I agree with them. Wakanda is about more than Black Panther, yes. But you can say that you know, New York is about more than Spider-Man but you still make Spider-Man movies. You can say that, you know, whatever. You can say America is about more than Steve Rogers. Sure, but you still make Captain America movies. So that's all I would say to that. So they show the trailer for Wakanda Forever. What dog shit. I'm kidding. This this trailer was, um, the trailer is amazing. Wow, I, I, my, I, my I typically moved away the from the mic. I was wow. Like, the trailer... Is it's Ryan Coogler? What do you expect from the guy who made Fruitvale Station? What do you expect from the guy who made Creed and Black? The 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 trailer was utterly fantastic. It was emotional. The musical cues were right on point. It was perfect for a first trailer because we don't get a lot of the story in this. But that's fine. We don't expect that from the first trailer. We want little teases. We want, here's a here's the, the texture and the tone of this movie. This is kind of an idea about what this movie is going to feel like. We'll get more into what's the story going on in a second or maybe even a third trailer later on. For a first trailer, they did not shy away from the fact that Chadwick Boseman's not there. The moment that they show that, that, graf- that graffiti, the portrait of Chadwick Boseman on the wall was powerful. Angela Bassett given her little thing of even outside of context of I am the queen of the most powerful country in the world. You're like, damn, who else other than Angela Bassett could deliver that line like that? And I'm going to tell you what, when we started hearing all the things about Namor and they're going more Aztec cultural stuff like that, I thought that's interesting. That's interesting. I wonder how that's going to look. It's a, forget it. It looks great. And can I just say, the Iron Throne is nice. The Iron Throne is cool and all. Namor's throne is the fang-infested skeletal jaw of a megalodon. That is Namor's throne. And I'm looking at that shot. The cinematographer, but I didn't double check to see who the cinematographer on this was, but just the cinematography of that, of this wide shot of Namor descending down and you just see this Megalodon jaw is his throne and these other Atlanteans in front of it. I'm just like, shut the door. Like, this is crazy. And then I have no idea what's going on with those ships and the soldiers descending and all that. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm watching. It's like, I don't know what this is, but I want to know what it is. Because this looks freaking cool. There is clearly a conflict coming between Wakanda and Atlantis, which which everybody knew was coming based on stuff that we've had in the comic books. But I, I will tell you what, and the shots of Lupita Nyong'o, of, uh, of, of, I'm freezing on the name of the girl who plays Shuri. Um, oh, Letitia. Letitia, Letitia Wright. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the shots of Letitia Wright as well. I mean, it just looked fantastic. We're going to get a 
Bottle of water in November, and then don't forget, we got another Aquaman coming movie coming too. And so, and listen, I this it was emotional, it was exciting. And again, the job of a trailer is to take your enthusiasm of a project from wherever it is, no matter how high or low it is, and just bump it up a couple of notches. And I don't understand how this would not increase your excitement for this movie. Uh, and, and listen, that I'll be saying, I still firmly believe the better decision before would have been to carry on with the character of T'Challa. I still believe that. But that is not mutually exclusive from also saying that Ryan Coogler is going to make a bloody fantastic movie regardless. And this movie looks like it's going to be bloody fantastic. I, I, again, it could be the worst movie the MCU has ever had. Maybe it will be. But just going off the trailer, it looked pretty damn good to me. Rob, you had a chance to see this uh, first trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. What did you think? I thought this trailer was an absolute knockout. I mean, the the direction, the, the way these scenes are staged and shot. I Yes, I mean, this this when this shows up, how do you not feel emotional? But, you know, a lot of trailers these days rely heavily on visual effects spectacle. This trailer was all about people. I mean, it was all about faces, and it was all about groups of people and watching, watching. I mean, clearly there's some heavy, heavy stuff going down here, whether it's it looks like we're seeing T'Challa's funeral at one point. I mean, there, Angela Bassett's one of my favorite actresses of all time. And just, just seeing her stare out into the ether or wherever, I, I mean, I, you put her on screen, man, it gets me. But watching her, like you said, being furious and unleashing her power. I mean, it, this movie looks great. I mean, to me, I might, I might say that this might be my favorite Marvel teaser ever. Because there was just something about it. It felt adult if that makes mm, any sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like whatever was going on in here, you're, you're dealing with the aftermath of loss. You're dealing with a, a proud nation that's trying to figure out, now that we've revealed ourselves to the world, where are we at? You know, there's there's stuff going down. And Lupita Nyong'o looks unbelievably beautiful in this film with, with the way they've done her hair. And uh, why I can't get Hot Toys of Okoye and the Dormelage, <laughs> I don't know. But when they come out, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, they better not change the Dormelage's costume, because I love them so much. I want like 10 Dormelage figures to see them come out when they leap off the top, you know, and they're coming yeah. down. I'm like, man, yes. If you don't get ninjas, the Dormelage are the next best thing. My God, I can't wait to see this movie. I was so excited because I'm like, what is this movie about? They've kind of kept it under. I don't know anything about this movie. All I needed to know is this trailer. If this trailer is supposed to get me hyped for something, dude, my hype level for this movie, it's it's Spinal Tap 11, bro. <laughs> it is an 11 because well of this said. teaser. And I watched the teaser like eight times. I can't get enough. I'm going to go watch it yeah. more. I love this teaser. Oh. Chris, you had a chance to see it. What did you think? Same boat. I mean, I watched this over and over again and just was frame by frame. Like, okay, all right, look at those little wingy feet. Oh, yeah, okay, look at that. <laughs> I lost my mind over that. Every shot could be a poster. Yeah. Yeah. Be, I mean, yeah. God stunning. damn. It Come on, mention Kendrick Lamar, too. Oh, that, yeah. that, that, that well, we track, mentioned the music uh, right off the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so beautiful. So seeing Namor in there, seeing Riri Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. But whose ass is this? 
Yeah. I, I felt uh, I kept freezing this and I felt like a creep because I was like, who are you? Is that Killmonger? <laughs> Reveal yourself. I don't know. Yeah. Nah. What's going I, on there? We, we know it's not M'Baku. Uh, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, of course, my number one pick for who should be the new Black Panther mm-hmm. is, was Winston Duke. I, I, think, I love Winston Duke. I think M'Baku should, ha- within the world of Wakanda, that made the most logical sense. Mm-hmm. The guy who pretty much came within a hair of defeating T'Challa anyway for yeah. for that it should have been him that's not Winston Duke's body no from what I, I mean hopefully a few is months it even, from now we'll is have it to even go, a man's body oh yeah. I'm, I'm not now the one thing I'll say that the thick here listen to us dissect this, this is what we as fans <laughs> do right the thickness of the thigh it's not Letitia Wright I mean I don't think it's Letitia Wright you gotta I think you, it's Lupita you think it's Lupita Nyong'o? Which yeah. I listen, Lupita would be That's a logical Wakanda's choice. Ass. The Queen, <laughs> remember, in in the first Black Panther, the Queen tried to get Lupita Nyong'o to take the the heart shape herb. Mm-hmm. She tried to get, she tried to convince her. She is a military trained. She was doing international ops. She was worthy of of T'Challa to be queen, the next Queen of Wakanda. That would make sense. I still think it should have been Winston Duke's Mbaku, but if not, then Lupita Nyong'o's character. Makes total sense. I also thought Okoye could have very well been the next Black Black Panther. I mean, as the head of the Dora Milaje, who is better positioned to be the guardian of Wakanda. But I have a feeling you're right now. It could be another person altogether. But I mean, that could be Lupita Nyong'o. Can we bring the image back up real quick, Jonathan? Because Max Cohen in here said that it looks like there's gauntlets like Shori's on the upper arm. So I don't know if that's something to look into. That too. would again, that is not. I don't believe that's Letitia Wright's thought. I mean, that's just a little thick. I think. I mean, it could be. She's but remember, leg yeah, day, man. She, leg day, bro. Shuri designs all. This is very true. Shuri designs. So of course it's going to have Shuriisms to it because mm-hmm. Shuri designs and makes all of the tech anyway. So even if it was clearly. <laughs> One of Shuri's gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't really tell us anything. That's fair. Um, so, I mean, it, I mean, again, it could be Shuri. That doesn't look like her Would body frame. the comics. Me. I know it's different. Yes, but, but in the comics, they've done, I mean, hell, we've had comic pages where where uh, Namor has fought Shuri. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's been in there. Again, I don't think that's Letitia's right body, but it could be whatever. I mean, it could be a guy. My wife, Anne, is pretty sure she thinks that's a woman's body. But that's... Uh, that's that's we're gonna have to leave hanging for a little bit. What, Man, what did you think about the trailer, Ray? You know, it was beautiful. You gotta respect what they had to go through in order to shoot this stuff. Ryan Coogler, I like his vision on everything that I've seen him direct. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that uh, it's still kind of hard. Like you can you can't mention his his passing for like a long time, and as soon as it comes up, it still hurts like it happened yesterday. So, but it, it's a beautiful trailer. So I really liked it. Guys, question is for you. You had a chance now to see the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. I, I, I will declare it as big and great, as much as I like the Shazam trailer, as great as that Lord of the Rings trailer was, as great as the House of Dragon trailer was, as great as the 18 episodes of Daredevil announcement was, as great as hearing there's going to be not one but two Avengers movies coming. I'll call it the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer is the de facto winner of, of Comic-Con. I think that's the, the biggest and the best yep. thing to come out of Comic-Con. I completely agree with you. Uh, so it just rocked. Anyway, guys, what did you think of the trailer? Maybe you were looking for a little more story in there, even though it was just the first trailer. I don't know. Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there.
Okay, guys, with all that down, we're now going to move on and start taking your live questions. So we're opening up the Super Chats now. If you've got a Super Chat, you got a thought, comment, theory, observation, question you want to send in, have us address, do that right now. You've only got a couple of minutes to get them in there, though, so move quickly. But before we get to those questions, we're going to hear from the final sponsor of today's episode of the show, our friends. Hey, if you watched the Black Panther trailer, maybe soiled yourself a little bit, good news, because we got our friends here from <laughs> MeUndies. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this episode, MeUndies. Now you guys have heard us talk about MeUndies, the legendary underwear brand that has totally taken over the podcasting world. And guys, I've been wearing MeUndies for the last couple of months, and I can honestly tell you it changes your day when you start off your day by putting on a pair of the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn, knowing that you're going to be walking and comfort all day in MeUndies. Everyone knows MeUndies for their super soft undies and comfy bralettes, but did you know that they make other stuff too? We're talking durable, cushy socks that will make your feet sing. We're talking super stretchy loungewear. We're talking daily tees, shorts, and rompers that add a little silky softness to your everyday. They even make hoodies for your dog so you can match every important person in your life. Available in sizes of extra small to 4XL and tons of colors and prints, make MeUndies your destination for all things soft and sustainable. MeUndies has a great offer for John Campus Show listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com/campia. That's meundies.com/campia. And a big thank you to the folks at MeUndies, number one, for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show, and number two, making my nether region feel so soft and smooth this morning. Uh, thank you to them once again. Remember, guys, check out the links. You okay, Chris? You doing all right over there? Uh, big thank you to our friends. Uh, go on down into the comments section or into the uh, description of this video. You'll see a link to all of our sponsors today and the promo codes, and go and support those guys. All right. With that down, let's get into your live comments and questions. Ray, do we got any from our members? Yeah, we have a couple. Um... Let's Alejandro Flores Rosales says, so proud of the Mexican cast of Black Panther. You know what's really cool? Here, I, I forget, Huerta, is that the, the actor's name? I can't remember. The guy who's going to be playing Namor came out mm -hmm. saying, can I just say something about inclusion? Like, me as a, a, as a kid growing up in the hood, growing up, I could never have dreamed of something like this. But it's because of inclusion that we have these opportunities now. And, this is, and I thought that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Okay, we got one from... <laughs> Brian Eric Lugo, he says, thanks to the Batman Beyond crew reporting the Squid, <laughs> Squid Games re reality show, I'm going to into my third interview to be on the real show. Oh, wow. Next, wow. So bring on the filthy. Oh that is gosh. fun. Good luck with that, man. I, 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 yeah. I always thought for, for shows like that mm -hmm. and shows like Survivor, it's like they always put them in these warm, beautiful, tropical climates. I say, you want Survivor? You want the, one of these game shows? You take them to, I don't know, the northern hemisphere somewhere. You take them to, I was going to say Atlanta, not Atlanta. You take them to Antarctica and you put them up there and you really see if they can survive. And if you survive, you win. I want to see one or, of those Or shows. maybe Eastvale up the street. Just it smells like cow crap all the time. <laughs> uh, all right, what's next? Free from the cocoon writes, what do Ray and Rob think about the most recent episode of for all mankind Just danny quickly. must die but i feel like jimmy has a chance at redemption thanks and bring on the filthy oh it's it was a banger man uh that what'd danny you think go. ray get him out get him out of there yeah but look i i can say that i've also seen the final three episodes and this season ends it's just amazing i, I love the show so much all right what's next slice of Bree says wakanda forever is a tearjerker between that and the cast getting choked up on stage 
while sharing those hugs just shows how loved Chadwick Boseman truly was. Packing tissues for 11-11, can't wait. Yeah, and you know, it was really emotional. The Guardians of the Galaxy panel was also quite, the, the actors there were also very, very emotional. Because remember, these people, not only that, but they worked together on a huge project, Brain First, and now they're standing in front of thousands of people presenting what they've done. And of course, with the stuff with Chadwick, very emotional stuff. All right, and, and it's supposed to be the last Guardians, right? The so last Guardians with this lineup of okay. the Guardians. So we could get another Guardians. It's a totally different lineup. All right, okay, Eddie writes, best looking crew on YouTube. That, well, that's true. Eddie I, I mean, might need some LASIK. <laughs> <laughs> LASIK procedure. All right, what's next? Bootleg Snack says, my guess is that some of the Daredevil episodes might break from Daredevil like Boba Fett broke for Mandalorian story for a bit. Still very hyped. Again, I think you can have multiple characters do multiple things. The problem with Boba Fett is that you have such a sm You literally had one third of the show wasn't didn't even have them in it i mean that was the bigger problem with 18 episodes you can do stuff like that and be more effective mm. all right what's next here's one for you john mighty tank one says john after henry didn't show i'm in a glass case of emotion i was i say with the tears guys massive man it'll tears. just make it so much better when he comes out next year maybe i'm a gun maybe come on one more um the chosen girl says hey john do you think marvel scrapped the armor wars sh show it was nowhere in phase four, five, and six lineup. No, I don't think they have. But remember, they have often, we often have known about certain projects. And then, a, like the, the D, even the big uh, Disney Investors Day call, there were some projects they never talked about on that. And everybody said, does that mean they're canceled? So, no, I don't think it's been canceled. I think they would have let us know if it had been canceled. So they I only let so. us know three projects of phase six. So, yeah. Well, but yeah, that show would be really good. I, I love War Machines suits. <laughs> I got to see them, but I thought it was an animated show. Armor no, no, no. Wars. Armor Wars is going to be, and it's going to, you know, it's going to, the villain in it is going to be Sharon Carter. You know, she's going to be the villain. They set that up at mm -hmm. the end of okay. uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. And so. they have to introduce Riri Williams, I think, before they can announce Armor Wars. Well, they already are then in Black Panther. Well, yeah, but we don't know her yet. Like, oh, okay. We, we I haven't seen saying. her. So people are like, wait, who, what? I mean, we know who Ironheart is, but. Does the general public right? Is there any more? Yeah, one more. It's it's a good comment too. It's some it's 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 Sante says I would pay good money to view a live stream of the Marvel Comic Con Hall H trailers. Should SDCC offer that at a premium price? That has been a conversation for a very very long time. Uh, we even talked about back in the day when I worked for them and we were do they were doing Comic Con HQ as a live streaming service. We said, are you going to if people subscribe to that service, will you include the com and they didn't. Um, maybe, but then I think you're going to get a lot of people complaining about why do I have to pay to watch it? I mean, yeah. there's that too. So I, I don't know. Um, plus again, if there are studios like Marvel showing a trailer that they're like the guardians trailer, that they're happy to show 6,000 people in an excited auditorium, but they don't want going out to the world yet. Yeah. Then what are they going to do? Hey, thanks for paying for watching the stream of comic-con, but we're going to have to black out this part. People would just get really <laughs> upset. So it would have its challenges. Okay. That down. Let's get over to the super chats. Chris, what we got going on in there? We've got support from Isaiah, from Joe Inc Incognito, from Stephen Derrett Holt, from Tumbling Tornado. Wow, thank you guys for I just don't sending that in to support us. Yeah. No, that would be very uncomfortable. Thank you guys. From A. Marcellus, maybe Namor kills T'Challa off screen, sparking the war between Wakanda and Atlantis. Just wondering what the in-universe reason for T'Challa's death will be. Okay, narratively, I like that. Practically, it would be very unsatisfying to have like an action end to the character that we don't actually get to see. I mean, maybe we'll see the Black Panther costume 
And maybe they say that's T'Challa and he gets ambushed by 20 Atlanteans. There's, I mean, look, if there's a good narrative way to do it, fine. But it, it could be very, very challenging to make that feel satisfying when we never see Chadwick Boseman in it. I don't know that that would bring any closure. Yeah. But it's an interesting thought. All right, what's next? From Tyler Pfeiffer, <laughs> the Balrog. Oh, my God. That was so. The, the, mm-hmm. Listen, when you understand. And by the way, the Balrog is not. There's not one of them. When you when you actually go back and look into the history of Middle Earth, I think there were eight or nine of them. There were eight or nine Balrog, I believe. Um, and like they were the heavy hitters, like they were the big, big heavy hitters. It's just that's the one surviving one that we see in the Lord of the Rings. But there could be more than one Balrog at this point. And they kept the design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So which, which is just oh, looks so good. All right. Yeah. What's next? From Corey Hensley, with regards to Black Panther speculation, those don't look like childbearing hips. It's a man, baby. I, I, I've heard different people with different opinions. Like my wife looks and she goes, that's that's a woman's body. I've heard some people like you're saying that's a man's body. The reality is we don't know and they're keeping it that way. I will say this in the poster. It looks like a little bit more of a feminine design of the mask. That that I could be way off about that, though. We'll find out soon enough. All right. What's next? From Smudge 3, I hope they take John Bernthal back as the Punisher. You know, same thing as Charlie Costner. Great if they do. Perfectly okay if they don't. Like, it, it's 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 fine. Like, and if they do, I'm going to be super happy. If they go out and get another great actor to play the role, it'll be perfectly fine, too. All right, what's next? From Josh Becker, I hope Kendrick Lamar does the Black Panther 2 soundtrack. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, considering that Ryan Coogler used him for the soundtrack of the first one, you want to maintain that consistency. I think he totally will. And he'll probably also get back. Uh, 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 I always can't remember is the, the composer, the guy who scored it. Oh, and did the your, Mandalorian. Yeah. Jorn, 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 Goodmanson, Goodmanson. Goodmanson. Yeah. I was, oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'm sure he's going to have him for the score because the score of Black Panther was oh. even better than the soundtrack. Dude, I still th- can't thank you enough Ludwig. for taking us to Hollywood Bowl to see Black Panther. That was a with, good night with the live music. My God, that was cool. That was a good night. All right. What's next? From uh, Jay, Mr. Feige says Russo brothers are not the directors for the next two Avengers movies. Are you worried about this? And are there any directors you truly trust a successful Avengers movie? For number one, I've I didn't hear Kevin Feige say that the Russo brothers are not directing it. So if if he did, cool. So let's go on that. I'm just saying I've not heard that. But if they did, if he did say that, fine. Um, why would I be worried about that? For in my opinion, the best Avengers movie is still the first Avengers movie. And then they went on and made Avengers movies without Joss Whedon, and they turned out fantastic too. Um, and and quite frankly, I mean, yeah, they're great, but the Russos have not been banging it up without working with Kevin Feige. Yeah, there's a thousand directors that Kevin Feige could work with. And so now, would I be excited to hear that the Russo brothers are coming back to do the new Avengers movies? Absolutely, I would be. But it's not concerning at all if he goes and works. I mean, look, he's working with Ryan Coogler, and he's like, he's just. Yeah, it'll be fine even if it's not them. So there, I don't think there's anything to worry about at all. All right, what's next? From R. Henry, 1980. Do you think the reason Hulk was turned into Professor Hulk was to teach She-Hulk? There's no way Nuclear Hulk could teach her. No, I don't think. The, no, the, the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige made the decision years and years and years ago to take the Hulk into a certain direction uh, because of what they said was they weren't just really sure how to handle Hulk at that point. I, again, which is fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but no, it, I don't think it had anything to do with the She-Hulk. I don't think they're saying, let's make this major change to this major character in our biggest movies ever for something we're going to do four and a half years from now in a Disney Plus series. I, I don't think that happened. All right, what's next? 
Jay Master. Kevin Feige confirmed in an interview at Comic-Con that Blank Pit... Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. The trailer was very emotional and was crying every time. Rob, you were pointing this out. I mean, you could feel Chadwick Boseman's presence or lack thereof throughout. I mean, it kind of painted the entire trailer, so I'm not surprised to hear this. No, I I think, and also, John, loss is a part of life. And one of the things, I mean, we've dealt with a lot of loss in in the Avengers movies, but this is going to be hard-hitting, and I'm really curious to see how they're going to deal with it. It looks like it's beautiful. However it's done, it looks like it's beautifully done because I think we get a a taste of his funeral procession or whatever that is. Uh, I was choked up too. And I I think that that'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting thing that they're able to do. How do you do, how does a country deal with loss? All right, what's next? From Jim One, as a casual MCU fan, it was easy to stay invested with two to three movies a year. As Phase 5 has 12 projects in 18 months, I will probably have to skip a few. And again, that's been one of the... And mm-hmm. listen, and I think their overall quality has suffered a bit. They've certainly had some magnificent things come out. But I think overall, and you're right, now there's that. And Chris was pointing out before, too, that whereas never before in the MCU, if you had to watch something else in the MCU and able to be able to watch the next thing coming, it's never been the case. Now it is. Now you're going to be lost watching X if you don't watch A first, right? So they got to be very, very careful how they navigate this. But I don't think you're alone in that. All right, what's next? From Andy, not that would happen, but I'd like to see Daredevil talk about a celestial appearing in the sky and how that pertains to his Catholic faith. Man, I'd like to hear any character in the MCU talk about how celestials (laughs) started appearing in the sky. So far, it's like, oh, yeah, again, it was just it was a Tuesday. But Andy's exactly right. I mean, I want somebody to address the cosmology of all this. When he says Catholic, all the religions of the world, whatever your religious disposition is, if a celestial appears in the sky, it's going to shake your beliefs down to their very core. What does that mean for you? I want to know. I agree. All right. What's next? From Mark Gomez. So Armor Wars was missing from the MCU Phase 5 slate. In case you wonder, the show's head writer, Yasir Lester, posted an Insta story this weekend stating, I promise you, it's still coming out. Yeah, well pointed out, Mark. See, that's the thing. There have been many times when, it, whether it was a D23, a Disney investor call, whatever, they don't have a mandate to talk about every single thing that we have coming. If they didn't have any particular specific information or new detail that they wanted to share just yet, I, I, I'll go on a limb, though. I'm going to call right now. I guarantee you it'll be discussed at D23. And I think there's going to be some world-shaking, world-shaking. I think there's going to be some big cast announcements coming up about you. So let's see what happens after D23. All right, what's next? From Bobby Jackson. John, if you're Feige and Spielberg says he's interested in directing either Fantastic Four or X-Men, which movie would you sell him on directing? Fantastic Four. That's uh, Listen, either one, he's the greatest filmmaker of all time. He's going to take either of those properties and do something magnificent with it. But I don't think you're going to have Steven Spielberg stick around. For X-Men, I think you want to get directors who are going to be around there for three, four, or five movies. If for just to set up the world of Fantastic Four, let Spielberg come in, do it, and then let other directors take over from there. But I mean, it would be, either one of them would be great. Either one of them would be great. All right, what's next? From uh, back, Backer Play. Hello, John Campion crew. What did you think about the Phase Six, the Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and the Secret Wars? And is it possible to have a World War Hulk, Maestro, or mm. Ghost Rider movie in Phase Six? I don't think they're looking to embrace Ghost Rider anytime super soon. I mean, I, I could be wrong about that. With D23, we could get some instant announcements coming about that, right? I just don't see it happening anytime soon. So, unfortunately, listen... Not as much as I would joygasm over Henry Cavill coming out on stage. If they announced a legit 
World War Hulk, that kind of Hulk in whichever manifestation, that would be like the next best thing to me. Again, I don't see them doing it, but I hope so. Fingers crossed. All right, what's next? From Jeremy144713, Ryan Coogler made Avatar 2 before James Cameron did. <laughs> I I guess you could say that in, in many ways with the water world, and like yeah. a world of water. Yeah, he just did it much more quickly. Uh, listen, I, I'm telling you what, though. The underwater stuff looked great. I think the underwater stuff they did years ago in Aquaman, I thought that looked really good. I love yeah. that technique they used. I think this looks great. Obviously, Avatar is going to look great. I think like stuff you can make visually look underwater now is going to a whole new level. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Ahmed. Hi, crew. Do you know if the Guardian's Christmas special is still coming out this Christmas? I believe that's the plan. I haven't heard anything. Again, I don't think they addressed it at uh, Comic-Con, but I, they didn't need D23 to address. we'll see some. Oh, yeah, I think we're going to see footage and all that, that kind of stuff. That and Werewolf by Night, the Halloween yep. special. Oh, yeah, they didn't even, uh, did they even mention that? No, they didn't. So, yeah, that's coming too. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, only in Hollywood could Ben Platt play a college freshman in 2011's Pitch Perfect than play a high school student in 2021's Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> I mean, but did he do it successfully? Yeah, uh, listen, the performance was very good. Oh, he's incredible. He's he's wonderful. Yes. That wig didn't do him any favors, though. That was mean. No, no, no. That I mean, that again, it's too bad Aaron's not here right now because uh, we could we could go on about that a whole bunch. Hello, fellow kitties. All right. What's next? From Whitehawk. I think they're going to announce Wolverine in the Captain America movie at D23. Uh, I don't know about that. That that doesn't seem like a fit. The Wolverine character with uh, with Sam's character, I don't see that. Now, Wolverine in general at D23, that could be on the menu. I, I don't see them announcing Wolverine. I, I just don't see narratively that being a fit. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? I don't know, maybe. I mean, if anything, I would love that, just because I love Alpha Flight, I'd love to see them. Inter- I mean, I know you would, all good Canadian kids. Guardian, Vindicator, Sasquatch, uh, I, Puck. Bring them on. Marina. North Star. I mean, come on, dude. And Wolverine to be a part of it. I mean, that, that to me as a Canadian is the right way. You go back to the roots. You do it proper. You do comic proper. If you're going to introduce Wolverine, you got to have Alpha Flight in there. I just want it in Black Panther. So you see Black Panther do their claws. And then Wolverine, all of a sudden, you see the Snicket. I think that would be a fun little moment. Adamantium versus Vibranium. Mm -hmm. Here we go. All right, what's next? A good fight, though. From Andy, if Mbaku became the new Black Panther, it would have made for interesting character development since his first appearance in the Black in the first Black Panther. No, listen again. Logically, Mbaku being the new Black Panther makes the most logical sense. He is the leader of the of the. Um, was it was the Mbari tribe. Is that the one he leads? I think. Anyway, he's the leader of his tribe. He is probably the most him and Okoye are probably the most ferocious warriors that Wakanda has. He came within a hair of defeating T'Challa anyway and became a great ally and friend to T'Challa. He makes the most sense. He just makes the most sense. I don't think that's the way they're going, unfortunately. But And whatever way they go, again, it's Ryan Coogler is going to be great. But I, I agree. I think it should have been M'Baku, but they're going to go in another direction, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. All right, what's next? From Russell Amador. Hey, John, a few months back, my idea of them not revealing Black Panther in trailers was shot down by you. Well, one trailer down, possibly one, two more to go. Saving reveal for movie, mark my word. I don't think they'll save the... the I still don't think they'll save the reveal to the movie. And how do you know we haven't seen the Black Panther in that trailer? Yeah, we, we probably have. But again, it could be another character altogether. Yeah. But I mean, and obviously they weren't going to go through the trailer and not have Black Panther. They had Black Panther in the trailer. We just don't know who it was yet. Right. I think we will know by the movie. 
I, I don't I don't think there's really a lot because the only way not to is to have how do you promote the movie without having any dialogue from your prime character? It, it'll be a challenge. Look, not impossible. But again, they did have Black Panther in this. I do think that it's going to be revealed later on. And I think it's going to be revealed at D23. Probably. I just wish they, I don't want to see another trailer for this movie. I mean, I'm going to yeah, watch it. but a, that's not how you sell movies. I know, but this but trailer it, was like so you good. You and I are already sold, uh, right? Sold. But I mean, sold. They're, they're going to need, but who knows? We'll see how they handle that. All right, what's next? Man. From Al Renshaw, could Dr. Doom be the guy pulling the strings or be behind the soldiers in Black Panther 2? You got Namor in there. Why? Uh, no, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, listen, on top of every single movie for the past five years saying, I bet you Wolverine shows up in this one. It's almost been that way for Dr. Doom. Right. So I, I don't think yet. I, listen, when they bring in Dr. Doom, it's going to be with a big bang. I think it's going to be with a big bang. But I, again, it's everything within the world of Kevin Feige is possible. So let's see what happens. I mean, I'm this is not- about politics in the Marvel Universe. So maybe maybe Dr. Doom, he's in he's in one of those scenes where Angela Bassett's talking or something. I could see it happen. Maybe. In maybe maybe at the at this state funeral, like this yeah. big guy in a fancy suit, a nice suit comes yeah. walking up, you know, you know, President Von Doom, thank yeah, you for yeah, coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe they do that, yeah. but I think when they bring in Dr. Doom, they're going to do it with a bang. I don't think it'll be with a subtle little cameo and then something. Else. But again, who knows what Kevin Feige is going to do? All right. What's next? From Corey Hensley. Not crazy about Black Panther 1. I can appreciate its cultural significance. But that trailer is the highlight of San Diego Comic-Con. Emotional, incredible tribute. Hey, listen, the first Black Panther is a movie. As such, it hits everybody in different ways, and not everybody super loved it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it says a lot that even a lot of people who weren't super crazy about the first Black Panther movie are watching this trailer and going, damn. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's really good. I mean, I think that says a lot about it. Thanks for sharing those thoughts, man. All right, what's next? From My Comic Planet, Angela Bassett with now one of the most powerful lines in the MCU. I am queen of the most powerful nation in the world, and my entire family is gone. Have I not given everything? Wow. I just got chills hearing you read that. Yeah. I like that. And that's, that's the money. To me, that's the money moment of the trailer. It's not the who's in the black Panther costume. I mean, Namor into the throne of a giant Megalodon jaw. Okay. Yeah. But really the moment is her saying that line. I, it's so powerful and it is a perfect representation of what the really overall, the tone of the entire trailer was. It was gorgeous and it's going to go down in history. I think that line is going to become um, almost as synonymous with the MCU. Time will tell, but as synonymous with the MCU as I can do this all day and I am Iron Man. Like like Angela Bass is saying, I'm the queen of the most powerful nation in the world. Have I, I not given everything? I mean, I think that's going to go down as one of the more popular and ones. And I just got to give it up for the costume design. You know, Academy Award winning costume design. They've upped their game in this movie, man. I can't wait to see what everybody looks like. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Man, it looks great. All right, what's next? From Banjo-wielding Velociraptor. I feel like uh, derivative characters like Ironheart and She-Hulk need to work for MCU to continue since it's on a timeline. It's better to pass the torch instead of fade away to redundancy. See, I don't even consider Ironheart to be a derivative character. I I, I really don't. Like another character who takes up technology to build something. That I don't see if they did Iron Man and now Iron Girl. That to me, that's a derivative (laughs) character. Superman, Superboy. Bye. I, bye. Um, bye. I, I just, yeah. So I don't really see that so much there. But again, the proof, it all comes down to, do you create an IP that is powerful? Do you, do you create an IP that is has great narrative, great story, great character? It, it starts with one 
obstacle in front of it being derivative. I'm not a big fan of that, but still you can make something great. And I think we're going to see that. At least I hope so. All right. What's next? From the chosen girl. John, you still think Kang is not the big bad for the MCU? Yep. And I think it's now, listen, I might have had to reconsider that. And by the way, he very well may will very well may be right. I have no insider information. He's not. But if Comic-Con had been first up Avengers Secret Wars and then to culminate and end with Avengers Kang Dynasty, that maybe would have made me rethink that. The fact that the Kang one is before kind of re kind of makes me re kind of dig in the fact that I don't think he is the next Thanos. I mean, he's clearly popping up. He's been in Loki. He's going to be an Ant-Man and the Wasp. We knew he was going to be more after that. He's going to be maybe the most present out of any villain. But I don't, it, it's looking to me like nobody is going to be the next Thanos. We're literally, Thanos was the character in his actions that drove everything that happened in the Infinity, uh, in the Infinity Saga, right? I don't think Kang is that. I, I just don't feel it. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? The Kang Dynasty storyline in Avengers is epic. It's huge, and, and Kang is the bad In the guy. comics. Yeah, in the in comics. The comics. Yeah, yeah. And I could see that storyline not getting resolved entirely, and they move right into Secret Wars. And I could see Kang be the architect in a way i think that everything we've been seeing in phase four so far has been engineered by kang but we just haven't had that reveal if yet. they reveal that i think that changes everything because yeah because obviously in the first few phases thanos was the one engineering he sent the chitauri in the first place he did all that kind of seems the one who put the scepter in loki's yeah. hand and got the ball rolling if they reveal that that changes things, but I, they haven't yet, and I don't know no, that they will. I, I we'll think, find out. I think they might reveal that in Wakanda Forever. Maybe. Like in a post credit scene, like all of the stuff that's been going on. Well, I, again, I don't know, but I think that we're, they're going to reveal that. All right. What's next? From Mike Scott. I'm one of Zach's, uh, Zack Snyder's bots. I am aware. Help me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Andy. It's funny, though. If the tracksuit mafia appears again in Daredevil, then Marvel missed a big opportunity to title the show Daredevil Bro Again. It's effing perfect. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I, I will give you that one. Well, somebody's got to make that fan poster. Yeah. Bro want, again, I, I Daredevil. Okay, yes, there you go. Somebody get on it. Uh, get get some artist out there. You got to make this. Who who was what was it? Uh, what was Palmer's first name again? I think it was Jason. Jason Palmer, the artist who uh, you got the art from yesterday. Watches the John Campus show. If you're watching today, Jason, yelling me, get on that. I want that Daredevil bro again. <laughs> poster please make that all right what's next <laughs> from tumbling tornado hi guys do you think chris pratt's cowboy ninja viking will uh resume development and with that what would your three title what would be your three title profession i'd say ray would be artist gamer chef bring on the filthy uh, well, I, I, we don't have time to sit around and think about like what would think as far as Perfect. the pratt movie i don't think i heard that it stopped development I mean, as far the last I heard, and and I haven't been paying close attention, so this may be way outdated information, way outdated. But I, I, I think it is still happening. I actually thought they started shooting it. I mean, I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure. Have you guys heard anything particular about mm -mm. it? No, not at all. But I mean, this has been in the talks for about five years. Yeah. So I uh, maybe it was stalled. I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. I know that I'm curious about it though. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, I think San Diego Comic-Con should move Hall H panels to Petco Park. It has a seating capacity of over 40,000 and can have a panel on scoreboards for fans with bad seats. I have been saying that for seven years. 
I have been saying forever, the big event should be moved out of Hall H, literally right across the street. People don't have to drive across town. Petco Park, the baseball stadium, is literally right across the street from the convention center. That would actually be pretty cool. And anybody could come. You could. It wouldn't be hard to get into. Nobody would have to camp out for three days no. to get a glimpse of the next twilight. Nobody has to do anything. I mean, it, it just makes sense. And out of all these people, because here's, here's the thing wait, about. You know, people, half the audience is going, wait, there's another twilight movie being made? <laughs> You're right. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> what? It, it is kind of BS that a lot of people will plan their year, save up, fly across the country to come to San Diego Comic-Con because they want to be in the room and see the, the DC panel or the Warner Brothers panel or the Game of Thrones panel or the Lord of the Rings panel or their favorite TV show panel or whatever. And the reality is you've got a one in 20 chance of being able to get in. There's something fundamentally fucked up about that. That if you do all that, and whatever you, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a game of roulette to find out if you get to get in. Take that panel, you move it into Petco Park. And that way, just about anybody who actually wants to go in there and be in the room when it happens, they can say they did that. A little bit of a uh, little, little Hamilton, Hamilton there, there for nice you. Done. Nice Although done. it can't be cheap to rent out Petco Park. No, it couldn't be cheap, but it's only for a couple of days. Well, yeah. think about what what Comic Con does for San Diego. I mean, it, it's plus they could sell, they could open up all yeah. the refreshments. Exactly, and sell food. San Diego could easily let them use it for free because of what they bring into the city. If I could have a hot dog and a beer while I'm in Hall H, come on. <laughs> now, now somebody will say, and I can already hear it. What if it rains? Have you been to California? Yeah, but but even pardon me, even if it did. Even if it did. Rain or shine, baby. Rain or shine. Even if it did, you could always use Hall H as a, as a backup mm -hmm. for weather. And then you apologize. Hey, it was out of our control. There was weather. We couldn't have it in Petco Park. We had to move it into Hall H. And I think people would understand that. And the rain would help with the Hall H smell. <laughs> yes, hopefully it would shower off some of, those, some of the uh, concrete of everything coming in. They absolutely. Actually, I'll go one step further. They should move Comic-Con to Las Vegas. You wouldn't you wouldn't have the problem with getting hotels. You wouldn't have a problem getting your meals. You would have your, the convention center is three times the size as the convention center in San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> you have T-Mobile Arena that's right up the road. It is just Las Vegas is 10 yeah, times but... better equipped for handling Comic-Con because you know what? Las Vegas has CES every year. That is triple the size of Comic-Con. I know. And that city doesn't blink when oh, it happens. Man. They should move it to Las Vegas. No, and, they should, and everyone will be late to the panel the next day. No, they everyone won't. Everyone will be up all night. No, they won't. <laughs> they will not. And it's just, you know, and everybody's, oh, it's so hot. Nobody goes outside. Nobody goes outside but in Las Vegas. In San Diego. I love San Diego. So do I. I adore San Diego. But Las Vegas, there's just, it's not a subjective thing. Las Vegas is monumentally more and better equipped to handle a convention the size of Comic-Con than San Diego is. It just is. But uh, but I do love San Diego. I know. And I do love San Diego. All right, what's like next? Cool breeze. From Herbert Davis, some support. Thanks, Herbert. Thank you, Herbert. From Drama 8, part one. Hi, all. I know John mostly narrates the sponsor videos. However, is that Rob's voice in some of the sponsor videos, specifically the upside? It's yes, it is. Just to answer your question uh, before we even get to part two is sure. uh, Jonathan looks for it. Yes, the answer to that is that is Rob. Oh, there we go. That. Uh, just wondering, is Rob narrating this video and no one's saying anything? OMG, bring on the donuts with a cold glass of milk. Yes. Um, I mean, listen, it, it's, 
it was just great. That was that was a weekend. Now, look, our sponsors generally like the 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 lead person of a show to be the one to do the voiceovers. But it was a particularly busy week, and we had a bunch of sponsor spots that had to be recorded. So I said, "Hey, Rob, can you record some of these for us instead with your sultry tones?" Yes, indeed, John. And he said yes and did them, and we'll I'm probably do more in the future happy to do those. All right, <laughs> thank you. Very What's much. next? From Setka 13, Wakanda Forever, <laughs> Wakanda Forever uh, ends part phase four. Ant-Man 3 starts phase five with Kang in it. Phase four was a lot of introductions of characters and concepts. I have a feeling phase five and six will be awesome and it'll all pay off in the end. Yeah, but here's the thing. Paying off at the end does not make up for delivering seven sub subpar projects. Right. Paying off at the end does not make everything else wor- uh, worth it to me. It, it just doesn't. Like if you're going to do 18 projects, you have a responsibility to your audience to make each one of those projects the best, most entertaining individual project on its own. Each movie, each show should be should have the highest standard of excellence. None of them should just be considered, well, that's just set up. No, fuck that. You ever respond when I go into a movie, I'm not looking for chapter 12 of a bigger overall story. It's nice if you can work that into it. Of course it is. But I'm going in to see a good individual movie right now. When I go in to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I'm going in to see a good movie. And and honestly, listen, I'm a huge MCU fan. You know that. But I, I do feel they have taken a step backwards a little bit. They've had a couple of absolutely amazing things in phase four. Absolutely. They have, but yeah, to use the excuse of, but it's set up. Guess what? Phase one was set up, but they made sure every single movie had a couple of stumbles. Thor, the dark world, Iron Man (laughs) three, but other than that, they made, they made every movie with a couple of exceptions to be great individual experiences with superb thing. And that was all set up too. Something being set up is not an excuse for a subpar effort. And I'm sorry, it's not effort. I'm sure they're all trying their best. I'm just saying, but setup is not an excuse for a subpar product. That's not an excuse. Other things have done setup and they make excellent things too. So, and just if it has a great payoff in the end, that doesn't make up for it. That does not make for up for it, in my opinion. It just means they delivered a great ending. Yeah. Great. But if I had to go through, it's like a movie. A movie can have a fantastic ending. But if I had to sit through an hour and 45 minutes of crap to get, Obi-Wan is a great example of that, right? (laughs) The ending of Obi-Wan is fantastic. It does not make up for the previous five episodes, though. Well, I loved episode one. I did. I did, too. Overall, Obi-Wan, for me, was a disappointing series. It had its moments. It's not terrible. And it had a spectacular spectacular ending but that didn't make up for it still being a subpar show in my opinion but that's that's just me i could rant on that for the next 20 minutes but we're running out of time all right sorry what's next from chef rigo chef rigo quit chef job i'm ready to be your assistant john lol just kidding all right so that that's a, a, a thing erupts. i've been posting on social media that i am looking for a personal assistant uh because chris carr thinks she's too good to be that <gasps> so I mean, chris carr was an, <laughs> was an excellent personal assistant um, I'm looking for a personal assistant who is not going to be on camera mm-hmm. of the John Campia show, just to be clear. Uh, but with me running all the things, some of the things you don't know about with me running all the things that I'm running and doing all the things that I'm doing, I'm just having, I discovered I am having a hard time just keeping up with general shit. So I need somebody who is both going to be a personal assistant to me inside the studio and be a personal assistant to me 
doing everything from going some doing some grocery shopping and walking my dogs. I mean, I'm just looking for a personal assistant. I've posted about it on my social media with the link to where people can find information. So there's that. So don't worry, Chef Rigo. I think uh, I think you're right where you need to be right now. All right. And we should go. Yeah, exactly. I yeah we go. need to go and eat there again. And we I need to go, go soon. All right. What's next? From Ulatan, Daredevil, Brown again. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. Everybody I knows it. That. Everybody knows. All right. What's next? From Ricky Bizarro, sending in an almost $20 Thank super Thank you, chat. Ricky. A bit ago, I sent a chat to Mailbag about pursuing drama at NYU. Since then, I've become addicted to super chats. <laughs> Something so exciting about hearing Chris say, Ricky Bizarro said, all right, there's my comment of the day. Love you guys. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that very much. And Ricky there is Bizarro. something cool about hearing Chris Carr say your name. <laughs> she's got, she's a mag- magical voice box. That she, so when she speaks your name, it just makes the world seem like a more bright place. Aw, Well, nice. thank you for that. And I hope you get into NYU, by the way, for your drama dreams and aspirations. Yeah. So good luck with that. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, John says, fan- fantastic four announcement at D23. Do I smell another hot toy bag? I think we could get a director and cast announcement. Here's the thing. I don't see anybody betting against me on that one. I no. lost. I'm already out 250 to 350 bucks, depending on how how hard Rayora is going to go on. I want to find one less than that. <laughs> I, I, just, no, I, I was... I mean, obviously they could have. They could, it was not impossible, but I felt pretty damn confident they were not going to announce any cast or director at at, uh, at Comic Con. But I see we could make that bet. But honestly, is anybody going to bet against a big Fantastic Four announcement at D twenty three? Is anybody betting against that? So I think all of us, me, you at home, everybody in this room, we all believe there's going to be big Fantastic Four announcements. And you know what? I don't even think the Fantastic Four announcements are going to be the biggest news at D twenty three. I think they are going to drop bombs at D20. I really, really do. So we'll see what those are. All right. Thanks for that, man. What's next? From Ben Rayner sending in a $20 super chat. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. I wonder no one has brought this up as an option. Could we see Angela Bassett as a temporary Black Panther? She sounded pissed. Maybe pissed enough to get revenge. My entire family is gone. Over under 5%, she's a temporary Black Panther. Under. Uh, Listen, the the ruler, the way they've set up the mythology, the ruler of Wakanda does not necessarily also have to be Black Panther. They have. T'Chaka was king and Black Panther, but at some point passed that mantle on to his son to be Black Panther and then later to take over King. I do not think you're going to see Angela Bassett as Black Panther. So uh, I'm going to go while not completely impossible. Now, remember, even in the last movie, when it came to the heart shape herb, Angela Bassett didn't say Give it to me. I will take care of this. No. She said, Lupita, you take this. Yes. You become our Black Panther. So uh, I'd say, while not absolute zero, I'll go under 5%. All right. Thanks for that, Ben. What's next? From Stubble McShave. Hulk's chaotic lack of control is a story mechanic that should be used instead of restrained. That character limitation is what makes Hulk interesting. I 1,000% agree. The fact that you have this nuclear option... But it's a nuclear option that has to be kept under control. And the dichotomy of Banner and Hulk is a beautiful thing that should constantly be delved into, explored, and celebrated rather than, let's get rid of the dichotomy. And and I get it. The Professor Hulk thing could be interesting for one act of a movie. Right. But it, it, it shouldn't be his constant state. Again... That's my little whining about it, but I'm gonna, but like, like I'm gonna give it its due, and so if it plays great, because it's played very well in the She-Hulk trailers, if it plays great, it plays great, and I'm glad. But I really do hope at some point they get back to Hulk being something you got to be very, very careful of, and Bruce 
has to constantly fight to keep him contained. So I, I'd like to see them get back to that Hulk at some point. All right, what's next? From Ryder, do you think Feige is bluffing about Russo's not directing Secret Wars or has their independent movies left a sour taste? Uh, here's the thing. Kevin Feige always uses different directors in the MCU. And if he doesn't use the Russo, like there should never have been an expectation. Like I said, hey, one of the one of the out there things could be the Russo brothers come out and are announced to direct Adventure. They're totally they could have done that. They absolutely. But it's not a stretch at all that they don't. He did a couple of Avengers movies with one director. He did a couple of Avengers movies with another director. He's going to now make other Avengers movies with another director. I mean, the directors of the first Thor movie, of Iron Man, of Shang-Chi, of Infinity War, of what? Those are all different directors. I mean, Kevin Feige will work with great directors. It does not need to be the Russo brothers. And by the way, if they're not doing the next Avengers movies, that doesn't mean they're not going to come back and do other MCU movies right. at some point. So, I mean, yeah, nothing to worry about here. All right, what's next? Uh, Mark Five uh, Carter, I was in Hall H 2017 for the first Black Panther panel with Chadwick Boseman. Nice. And again for Wakanda Forever. The entire experience was moving, beautiful, and powerful. I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, and, and hearing Ryan Coogler talking about, I was sitting in second row, with Chadwick Boseman squeezing my shoulder as we watched the presentation of, of Black Panther. I mean, so powerful and moving. And I can, that is so amazing that you can say that you were there the last one and you got to be there for this one. I think that's incredibly powerful. I'm so glad you had that experience. Treasure that memory, man, because I, I think that's pretty awesome. Thanks for sharing it. All right, what's next? From Dave XP, you either die a hero or you'll live long enough to see yourself become the jobber. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you going with that? <laughs> That's good. I like that. That is funny. And again, I, I hope they don't relegate Hulk to that. I hope they do not relegate Hulk to that. Please do not relegate Hulk to that. All right. What's next? From Green Tea Drinker, loved the Wakanda Forever trailer. I was worried about how the franchise was going to move forward without Chadwick, but this movie looks incredible. Hope it delivers. Look, I've no doubt it's going to deliver. This is the director of Creed and Fruitvale Station and the first Black Panther. I mean, of course he's going to deliver. It's going to be great. Again, even with all the times that I'm saying, I really do believe it was a mistake not to recast T'Challa. No doubt that they were going to still deliver us a great movie. And this looks like it's going to be fantastic. Hope that it is. All right, what's next? From Ron H., August 5th is becoming quite the game day. Bullet train, pray, and the Sandman, let's go! Tell you what, I'm actually leaving after our show today. I'm going to be leaving a little bit later this afternoon to go out and watch, uh, to go and watch Prey. I'm going to see that today. Ooh. Yeah. A, a good friend of mine, Charlie Lazarica, said he saw Prey at Comic-Con, and he said that it's the best Predator movie, and I trust him implicitly. Didn't I not tell you that I've been hearing some people saying either one, they're saying it's the best Predator movie since the original, and the other half people saying, no, it's the best Predator movie, period. Yeah, or I, those people are and out. he's not the only one. Everyone's saying this, I, and I can't believe it's on Hulu then. I mean, I just think they're leaving money on the table. They can put it on Hulu whenever. Why well, not? I mean, I got invited to that screening at Comic-Con. I wasn't going to make that drive just for a screen, but I'm going to go see it tonight, and uh, we'll do a immediate right out of the theater reaction yeah, to you it. Yeah, I'm very curious of what you think. So am I. I. I hope it's good. All right, what's next? And Bullet Train, baby. Bullet Train. <laughs> I'm excited I about Bullet so train. excited for that. And I already got Sandman. my Sandman. The trailer looks so good. Oh. Uh, Mike Joyce, Echo She-Hulk, the new Daredevil series. Do you think we're getting too much Daredevil? No. no. no I mean, look. I love him. Look, we also had him in Spider-Man No Way Home for one scene. Yeah. He could be in like one episode of Echo. He could be in one episode of the. Listen, nobody said, are we getting too much Nick Fury? 
right? And, and no one is saying, and if you do shut your filthy damn mouth, if you're saying we're getting too much Wong, <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. There is no such thing as too much Wong. So no, and it all depends. Like if he's like in a couple of scenes, it's really not. Big it also, deal. this is the milieu that he belongs in. It's yeah. not like they're dropping him in willy nilly across the whole Marvel cinematic universe. These are places where he should be. I agree. All right. What's next? From Marie Seifring, sending an almost $20 super Thank chat. Thank you, Marie. I finally got around to watching the first episode of For All Mankind on Apple TV and loved it. Thanks to Rob and everyone else for getting me on board. Just Robin you wait, Ray. Marie. Just you wait. I mean, it, seriously, one of the more satisfying things of this job is when people say, I went and watched X because you guys talked about it or mm -hmm. one of your fans talked Agreed. about it or whatever. And now I've watched it and now I'm loving it. There are few things in this job that are as emotionally satisfying as that. Knowing that there's another fellow fan out there who is now enjoying and being edified by watching a piece of art and entertainment that, that, that they're loving and having a good time and is influencing them because they heard either you or one of your viewers talk about it. Seriously, there's nothing as satisfying as that. So, Thank you so much for sharing that, Marie. I'm glad you're enjoying that show. And uh, you'll probably be caught up to where I am in the show pretty soon. Because uh, I haven't watched up season three yet. So uh, we'll get there. So thank you for sharing that, Marie. Really appreciate that. All right, what's next? From quality not included, D23 tickets sold out. Disney left them wanting more. Yeah, they're sold out. I mean, I've known for a while. The only way we're going to get in there is if they give us press passes. So we'll see how many press passes we can squeeze together because I'd like to be there for this one. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Vault of the Future, Black Panther 2 first trailer to make me cry. LOL. I, I mean, they they leaned into it all the way without going too far. They became overly exploitive because they, they very easily could have become very exploitive. Like, hey, everybody, we're all sad that Chadwick Boseman died. Come see our movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it very easily could have crossed into that. And I, I think they pushed it as far as they could without really crossing that line. Which And I think that's important that that's what happened. All right. What's next? From Tyler Pfeiffer, Tolkien fandom is becoming toxic. Makes me sad. Uh, it's like a lot of other fandom. There are certain knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing cousin humpers that are making it that way, but the vast majority of Tolkien fans are just great, wonderful fans. All I right, don't even think next? that qualifies as Tolkien fandom, and I don't think, from now on, I, I don't consider them like DC fans or Tolkien fans. It is just a select set of narcissistic trolls who are like, I need to ruin these people's lives because this has something in it I don't like. And and they just, they'll go on to any topic and do that. Yeah, don't. They're mm -hmm. leeches. Don't get me started. Because it, it could turn into something that'll get us demonetized real quick. <laughs> we That's got, we my job. The Hulk. <laughs> All right, what's next? For Mans, the grief and love that Coogler and crew had for Chadwick really showed in the trailer. Angela Bassett's line was just, Wow. I don't think they'll undercut the emotional scenes with jokes on this one. Make no mistake. There's going to be good humor in this. Oh, yeah. And they will. And a lot of it will be at T'Challa's expense. I think you're going to hear that they, they absolutely will. And because actually Chadwick Boseman, not Chadwick Boseman, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ryan Coogler actually did mention that of, of finding the right ways to work in the humor and all that kind of stuff. Now, there, there is a fundamental difference, though between don't confuse the two situations there's a fundamental difference between the situation of t'challa and the heavy stuff that that is going to go on in black panther versus like the heavy stuff that goes on in something like thor ragnarok or even thor love and thunder one is completely fictitious one is all too painfully rooted in something that actually happened yeah right 
Natalie Portman did not actually get cancer and die. And therefore, they have a situation. In, in this movie, they literally had their lead actor, who was the lead character, suddenly and tragically pass away. So it, I think it would be folly to try to create a comparison between the two, because those are two radically different scenarios and situations. That being said, uh, I think in a celebratory way, um, I think you are going to see joke, jokes put in there, probably at like probably Shuri making some jokes at because she loved her brother. Right. And I think this in, in, in a spirit lifting kind of way is going to make jokes about T'Challa and stuff like that. I think that's definitely going to be there. But again, do not make the mistake of trying to compare the situation of Black Panther to a situation of an Ant-Man or a situation like a Thor movie, which are totally fictitious characters with no basis in reality. All right. That's just my thought on that. All right. What's next? From Jose Andres Estrada Vaca, can Stan Lee be uh, the reason, oh gosh, punctuation guys, the reason Marvel doesn't feel the same? No. Stan Lee had zero influence over the actual movies, other than his creation that they took from, but Stan Lee was never really, not, not really consulted on, what should we do with this movie, Stan? Right. So, no, uh, that, that's not part of it. I mean, I totally understand why you'd ask the question for sure, but no, that had nothing to do with it at all. All right, what's next? From Raymond 2000, as a black man, this Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer is disrespectful. Mm. Killing T'Challa off for a fifth time, really? If this was any other white character, they'd recast right away. Not feeling this at all. I, listen, in principle, in principle, um, I believe they should have recast T'Challa. However, never once as somebody who's been very vocal that they needed to recast this character, never once has the thought remotely crossed my mind that them not recasting T'Challa is a sign that they had no respect for Chadwick Boseman and no respect for the character. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige made the decision that I don't agree with, but they made the decision that out of their belief that the best way to respect Chadwick, and again, I disagree that this was the best way to do it, but Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige legitimately believed in their hearts, even though I disagree, that the most respectful thing they could do for Chadwick Boseman was to say the character died with him. Now, I don't agree but if you don't believe that that's where their hearts were, then you don't know anything. I mean, Ryan Coogler has spoken very passionately about this. And again, what? and that's why I said, like, I'm not mad at Marvel for not recasting him because I believe their motivation is coming from a place of love and a place of respect. And you can have people that are all coming from it from a place of love and respect and still come to two different ideas and two different conclusions. My idea and many of our ideas is that they should have recast him, but there was also a lot of fans that felt they should not. And I respect that. And, and, and I think it's disingenuous and dangerous to start throwing around things that like, I don't think Ryan Coogler would have made a different decision if this had been a white character. I do not believe for a second that director Ryan Coogler would have made a, a singular different decision had it been a different guy, maybe he would have made a different decision if it was an actor he wasn't as close with. 
And maybe he would have made a different decision if it was an actor that he didn't love as much as he loved Chadwick Boseman. But you'll never convince me for a second that their motivation for making the decision was anything but love and respect. I, I agree with you. There's another thing, John. You're also having to deal with the real world repercussions of how these actors felt about Chad Bozeman and working with them. A lot of them yes. knew him from multiple different properties. I mean, this was something that I think the actors themselves, your amazing cast of actors, if you just had another actor roll in and try and play T'Challa and they moved on from there, I think you'd have a real problem. I think your cast would find it difficult because a lot of people were very close with him and they were emotionally bonded to him. And I think that it might not have been so great for the project. And, you know, I think the idea of, of, of adding this element of loss into this storyline is more respectful in a way and honors his memory more than just having another, I mean, do I love the character? Sure. But I think this is a creative opportunity uh, and it's, 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 it works on many different levels to honor his memory, but at the same time, give us a story we haven't seen before. Yeah. And, and again, listen, there is no, there is no right answer here because no matter if they had recast him, like I believe they should have done and Chadwick Boseman's own brother thinks they should have done, then you would have had a lot of people upset saying, oh, this just shows they didn't care about Chadwick Boseman and they're just moving on without him as if nothing ever happened. I mean, it would have made a lot of people unhappy. They made the decision not to recast him and he made a bunch of people like me unhappy, thinking T'Challa's too important of a character, blah, blah, blah. But you can have different ideas about what their conclusion should have been, but still believe in the what mo the, the primary things that are motivating the other side. I believe they came to the wrong decision, but I believe their decision was based out of love and respect. They just came to a different conclusion than I would have. And let's see what they end up being. Anyway, thanks for sending in the question. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, I saw The Gray Man in theaters over the weekend and actually enjoyed it. Had a good time and definitely think Netflix should do this more often. Did not love The Gray Man. Um, it, it's certainly not boring though. Some people say it's a boring movie. I don't believe it was boring. It had some really good action and stuff like that. I read one commenter say something though, and it, it, it remind it was pretty good. They said, you know what? They put out a movie with Dwayne, the rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, two of my favorite movie stars in the world in red notice. And I couldn't tell you a single thing about it after I watched it. I don't remember it at all. Then they put out that other one again with good Canadian kid, Ryan Reynolds, the six underground. Nobody remembers that movie. Nobody talks about that movie. And they said, The Gray Man is going to be the next one of those. That one that that might be okay for some light entertainment. And I think it was. I, I, I appreciated the movie. But no one's going to be thinking about it in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those kind of things. But hey, every movie is unique to each individual. And if you loved it and had a really good time with it, that's all that matters, man. I'm glad that you did. All right, what's next? From Jay, is it a far-fetched to say that Marvel makes the best trailers? Their teasers, trailers always have great rewatchability. DC makes the better trailers. <gasps> I, l listen, I'm not saying every don't don't go don't take this to the to the hills. I'm not saying every DC trailer is better than every Marvel trailer. Not at all. Not at all. But I've never seen Marvel put out a trailer like that first Batman versus Superman trailer that they played at, at Comic Con a couple of years ago. Like, say what you will about, you know, who makes the better movies, DC or Marvel. I think when you t collect it all together, honestly, I think DC does a better job with their trailers. I think Marvel make, does a better job with making their movies, but DC has made some banger trailers, man. Oh, yeah. And so is Marvel. I'm, I'm just saying, 
once you collect the median average, I think DC does a little bit of a better job. What do you think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's more Marvel trailers. There are more. Yeah, there are a lot more. So, I mean, I look, this to me, this this Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer is about as good as it gets. It's terrific. Especially for a teaser trailer. Especially as a first trailer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? From Josh Becker, no doubt the Avengers movies will sell all tickets. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not ready to say that. <laughs> Honestly, there's a lot of new, there's a lot of projects we come out between now. And, and I will say this, if they don't return to increasing their quality, they may not. I, I like right now, if Avengers five and six were to come out six months from now, I would not No, I don't think they're catching the box office of infinity war and game. Mm. Now, if over the next year and a half, they can amp up the quality of their projects and get everybody excited again, super excited again, then maybe they have a chance at that. But we've got a long way to go between now and them, so I'm not ready to say that just yet. All right, what's next? From Bad American Kid. Wakanda Forever trailer was ebbing beautiful. It was. Better hold off on negative MCU comments so you don't miss out on these sweet Avengers swag bags in 2025. Yeah, that's, that's it. Uh-oh, I said something questionable to the MCU. They're not going to let me see the movie now. No, see, that's not how they work. Again, they just want you to be fair. Everything's good. And listen, I love the MCU. I love the MCU. But, you know, I love the Maple Leafs. And when they choke, I'm going to say they choked. And I love the MCU. And, and when they put out some product that I don't think lives up to their high standard, I'm going to say, I don't think this lives up to the standard. So, I, but they put some stuff out that does. All right, what's next? From Fifi, do you think we will see Daredevil versus Sam Wilson's cap in the Born Again show? Wouldn't see why. Why would they be fighting? I, I mean, listen, again, <laughs> the, the, the Born Again storyline of the comics is not going to be a direct translation onto the show. We know that, but it, it there's there's no connection there i mean there might be some conflict because of the 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 soldier i mean there is there is a military aspect to the born again storyline that i could see somehow there but i don't know if they're gonna fight yeah all right what's next from jeremy 144713 black panther 2 was the top five trailer marvel has ever put out i agree i don't i think it was a top five first trailer yeah they've ever put out but I, I wouldn't say it's top five as far as all the trailers they have put out, like their second and third trailers for some things. I, I mean, it's great. It's absolutely great. And I agree. Top five first trailer ever. I concur with that. But I wouldn't say overall, but that's just me. All right. What's next? From Mark Gomans, there appears to be shapeshifters in the She-Hulk trailers. Do you think the surrounding story of that show will lead into Secret Invasion and eventually Avengers Secret Wars? Nope. I don't think they're going to make us. Uh, now, now, what I'm about to say, there's a caveat. I'm going to say, I don't think they're going to set up some major, major story arc in something like a little procedural Ally McBeal Disney Plus show. That said, I never would have thought they were going to introduce mutants in Ms. Marvel. <laughs> and yet, here we are. They did. So I'll still say, I guess not. But we've seen something like this happen before. But I, I didn't catch it. Did you get that at all? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. But you never all right. know. You never know. All right, what's you next? Never know. From Jeffrey Niffen, Stranger Things Season 5 fan theory. Eddie Munson playing Puppet Master on the Upside Down was foreshadowing for Vecna to use his body as a puppet in the next season. <gasps> How dare you, Jeffrey? I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't know. I don't know if you, Jonathan, if you can go to my Twitter page and find the picture of Anne uh, I put out. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. She's the, so the Eddie, I think even more than the Netflix executives ever dreamed of or conceived of, became beloved 
<laughs> by the the fan audience way more than they were expecting. Mm-hmm. And so like this whole like justice for anything and all that kind of stuff. Were you able to find that page? So there's yeah, so let's let's bring, bring that up. up. So like to the point that well, that's me. That's, that's me. You. But the, but there's a one. <laughs> there's one of Anne. Yeah, got, yeah. yeah, there we go. Anne's is <laughs> Anne's is better. <laughs> She's got the rings on and everything, which by the way made her fingers all black. <laughs> the, the rings that she was wearing. I mean, Eddie has become like this surprise sleeper hit element from that show that I don't even think the people at uh, at uh, the the, uh, the show were expecting to see. Mm. So it's yeah. a huge testament to Joseph Quinn. I mean, oh, he just kills it. Yeah, yeah, again, Robert Downey Jr. Jr.? Yep. Yep, he was so good in that. All right, what's next? From, uh, oh, we just did that one. Next one up. There, there we go. go. J-Master. J-Master. Marvel Studios Animation confirmed at Comic-Con that Disney Plus Marvel Zombies will be rated TVMA. Did they really? That's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Again, animated stuff, they'll let you get away with more. With the TV, and it is zombies. And it yeah. is zombies. You know, that's probably it. But you can get away with a lot more than that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, interesting. What's next? From Taki75, when uh, Ramonda was saying, haven't I given everything, I was hearing a, U- a Ukrainian woman talking to her country. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not going to get into real world stuff and, and things like that. But again, it's just such, such a powerful line in the way it was delivered, only the way she can. All right, what's next? From Andy, shake my head. If Warner Brothers wanted to win all of San Diego Comic-Con, then they should have given the fans what they wanted and done a panel for the Gotham Knights TV show. (laughs) (laughs) I, oh my God, I, if that show doesn't end up being one of the bottom five shows in television history, they need to take that as a win. Like if it's only one of the top 20, bottom 20 worst television shows in history, I think they should take that as a win at this point. I will be shocked if it isn't one of the worst things that we've ever seen. That trailer is is honestly, if you got a bunch of college kids together and said, make the most stupid looking thing you possibly can, that's the result. It just looks so bad, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll end up being the next Walking Dead. I mean, I just, I just hope springs eternal. All the actors' careers. All right, what's next? From Joshua Mickle, No Way Home post-credit scene points towards Secret Wars thread. Black suit Spidey, brilliant Marvel move. I honestly, I think that's one of those situations where you're reading too much into that. I mean, it fits, but I don't think that was the intention there. I I don't think that's what they were going for at all. But hey, you never know. We could find out there's something deeper to it. All right, what's next? From Eduardo Howell Santos, uh, does the She-Hulk line more and more eccentric superpowered individuals are coming out of the woodwork give the idea that this is the beginning of the mutant era? Maybe. I kind of felt that way. You know, that's that's not a that's not a completely wild theory. What do you think? There are a lot of empty slots that Marvel has in the next coming years for movies. So maybe. Just yeah, maybe. I mean, listen, they, they did introduce they introduced the Marvel, the mutant phenomenon in Ms. Marvel. Right. What is not to say they don't expand upon that in the next Disney Plus series? I mean, so I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but it's not a crazy yeah. theory. So I, I, let's wait and find out. All right. What's next? From uh, Dejovi, not only are the characters going through loss, but we're watching these actors work through their grief, too. I really think Wakanda Forever is going to be quite special. Again, in the hands of Ryan Coogler, of that I've never had any doubt. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of damp eyes I agree. In, in, in that movie theater. And I think, yeah, in the hands of Ryan Coogler, I think they're going to make something really, really special there. I really do. All right, what's next? 
For Morgan Holmes sending in a one hundred dollar super oh chat. Oh my God, Morgan! Wow. Thank, thank you, you so Morgan. much, Morgan, man, for thank supporting you so our much. channel on that level, man. That is incredibly generous of you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much on behalf of myself and everybody watching the show. Thank you for being such a major supporter that way. All right, what does Morgan have to say? Wakanda Forever looks amazing. What a way to honor our king. Rest in peace. Keeping Angela Bassett as the queen of Wakanda because that emotional speech. Oh, my God, you are my queen. <laughs> and let's get a team of Black Panthers, Eric, Nakia, Mbaku, led by Shuri. And Ross and Bucky helping out. Of course, Eric is a psychopathic, murderous, evil, evil, evil entity. So, no, I, I don't see them doing <laughs> and he that. he's dead. And he's dead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but since when has that stopped That's anybody no in the MCU? <laughs> um, but, I, I mean... Yeah, listen, I was really curious about which way they were going to go. I totally could have seen them passing the queen mantle to Shuri, uh, being his sibling. I easily could have seen them passing it to Nakia because she was his queen. And she is a, you know, well-versed in international things. She's one of the main reasons why the whole internal policy and politics of Wakanda was to spread out to worlds because of her direct influence. I easily could have seen them doing that. But them going to the queen mother to be the queen, that works too. Yeah. That, that completely, completely, completely And we works. don't know what's happening. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely. I mean, listen, it does make me wonder. It's like, well, wait a minute. When T'Chaka died, why did the crown or the throne go to his son instead of his wife? And now that T'Challa is gone... Why doesn't it go to T'Chaka's next child instead of to his wife? So they may go into it and say Shuri was offered the throne, but her she believes her place is in the lab, not doing anything right. else. And so it went to, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it and set it up, but we'll find out when the movie comes. But it is some interesting stuff. Anyway, once again, man, thank you so much for supporting our show on that level. That's incredibly generous of you. Very humbling. So thank you again for that so much. All right. What's next? From My Comic Planet, Kevin Feige said the Russo brothers are not directing the next Avengers film. I still don't know how to feel about this. There aren't many directors that can handle movies of the scope like the Russos can. Okay, time out. Time out. Would you have ever picked the Russo brothers to direct these movies before they did the other ones? The guys who directed you, me, and Dupree. And if, welcome to Collingwood. And welcome, like, is if they had said to you, they're going to be the directors of <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. No, nobody would have been excited about that. Did they come from Community? Yes, they also okay. did some stuff on Community. But even then, as much as a lot of people love Community. Oh, no, yeah. It's just yeah. Is anybody going to say scale. they should be doing Avengers Endgame? Right. No. It does not need to be them. It just doesn't. They're great. And I would have been very excited if it were them. But we as fans, and I'm guilty of this too. We all are. We as fans have this thing about Oh, that person who did that thing? Oh, yeah, they're the only person who can do that thing. And we have seen over and over and over and over and over again, that's just not true. That's not logical. Like, Kevin Feige finds directors that he knows can work with him and his vision to bring something special to the screen. Whether that director is a Kenneth Branagh, or whether that director was a Joss Whedon, or whether that director was a Peyton Reed, or whether that director was a Russo Brothers he will work great with them. And and, and again, I hate bel- belaboring this because I, I love the Russo brothers so much. And I'm a huge fan of theirs, but it's not like the Russo brothers have been tearing it up, not working with Kevin Feige, right? Like even the gray man is, yeah. I, I So, so no, no, listen, if they announced that that was going to be them, I would be singing from the rooftop. It would have been awesome. 
But that it's not them is not the least bit worrying to me because it's still Kevin Feige running it. And also, maybe we'll get a director that has a different kind of a vision that specifically suits the material that they're planning to go with with Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I don't know who that is, but maybe that's what they're looking for is to find someone that's going to bring a different flavor yeah maybe all right and by the and again don't think that that counts them out from ever coming back to the mcu not all they could still direct you still think they're going to direct x-men i do you think i mean and that would be a great fit too like if they did that or it could be somebody else all right what's next from anthony c even if cavill came out let's be honest it would have been to announce the next line of cam newton's hats oh my god that is like one of the dumbest things <laughs> that has ever come across my screen when they were doing that. This, first of all, the first DC's fandom was such a pleasant surprise. They did such a good job on that. I really enjoyed the first DC fandom so much so that I was so excited for the second one and they shit the bed on that second one. It, it, and like, Hey, instead of talking about the things you were actually here to talk about, we want to talk about Cam Newton's hats, golden boots and golden <laughs> boots. Everybody. We're going to talk about them. Golden boots. It was such a clown show, their second one. Um, but uh, hey, whatever. <laughs> oh, I got three pairs and two hats. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, if they listen, if they make if they do DC fandom again, I'm still going to be excited. I, I'm going to need to see them do two bad ones in a row to lose my enthusiasm because the first one was so good. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I have to say, Mr. Joe Burrow, please stay away from any DC <laughs> offers. Please don't do that. I know they're going to probably get you to do the Joe Burrows, DC Chains. The Gold DC Chains chain from Joe Burrow, the signature <laughs> line. All right, what's next? From Ian Barth, I'm just ready for the tracksuit mafia to show up and that and the show that week is retitled as Daredevil Bro again. Yep, I mean, obviously that's a very common theme amongst a lot of people because that's it. But oh, hey, listen, man. the way this new Kingpin is, is his main thing is the, the I mean, it said his main thing is the tracksuit mafia. That's his main thing. So you got to have the tracksuit mafia. No, you don't. Oh, you do. I don't. <laughs> the chat is really, really into tracksuit mafia. Tracksuit mafia. They they're going to be there, oh, man. I'm telling you, you have to, because in this universe, that's his main thing. I mean, it really should have been Avengers tracksuit mafia. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tracksuit dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> the tracksuit dynasty. <laughs> Ah, it writes itself, folks. It writes itself. All right, what's next? Brokey. From <laughs> Him's Not Hers, hold up, all your family is dead? What about Shuri? Yeah, I can actually kind of see her going... Uh, She's just sitting off the side? What the fuck, Mom? Yeah, yeah, like, or there's something we don't know. I always knew I was the second favorite kid. Ooh, maybe she's dead by the time this happens. <gasps> oh, my God, what oh if Shuri God, dies in this? Be wrong or they think she's dead. <laughs> Mm, or they think she's dead, yeah. which would be a very Marvel thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a little nervous with Mbaku jumping down like toward Namor. I'm like, are they going to kill Mbaku off? Oh, oh, please don't kill Mbaku. Mm. Oh, all right. There, there's going to be some tears in this movie, man. All right, what's next? From Ismail Montoya. Hey, guys. I saw the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer and was blown away. With what we saw, it makes me feel this film will be my favorite of this year. Will the emotional aspect of the film make it a better film? Bring on the filming. Okay. Okay. First of all, don't get yourself too emotionally invested in something over a trailer. Get emotionally invested in the trailer, but don't make the trailer get like... That's why I always say when I see a great trailer, I go, hey, this might end up being the worst movie ever. Or when I see a terrible trailer, I go, hey, this might be the best movie ever. Don't get... Remember, Ryan Coogler didn't make the trailer. A marketing department made the trailer. 
right? And some marketing departments can really polish up a turd to look like a diamond. I, that's not what I think is going to happen yeah. here. I think the movie's going to be great because it's Ryan Coogler. I, I'm just saying that. Now, as far as, will the emotional elements heighten the movie? It's like anything. Any element in a film, if done greatly, whether it's a humorous element, a horror element, a, a thought-provoking element, emotional elements, any element done with excellence will heighten the story that it's being used in. And if they do that here as effectively as they did in the trailer... Yes, it will definitely elevate the movie, no doubt. All right, what's next? From Alan Ling. Hey, John and crew. Oh, excuse me. Thoughts on John Wick 4? The one trailer I didn't watch. Oh, my God. I know, and, and, I, and I love Dude, John Wick, and I didn't see the trailer for it. It's spectacular. It's a teaser, but it's spectacular. You should watch it right now. Dude, <laughs> the only thing I, I, I will watch it today. I Dude, will watch it today because I love this character, so we'll, we'll see. All the right, only thing next? I hope they don't do in, this, in part four is every human on Earth is an assassin. Every person he passes looks at him and follows him. <laughs> yeah, and, in part and, three, every human on Earth was an assassin. Yeah, and here's the other thing. I, I've mentioned this before. My one gripe, because I, I think John Wick 3 is the best of the franchise. I, I love it. But I loved it too. Here's my big gripe is that nobody's afraid of John Wick in that universe anymore. And I hate that because in John Wick 1, he was the Baba Yaga. Mm -hmm. That even the head of the Russian mafia is like, oh, it's well, John Wick. And and then once we got into 2 and 3, it's like nobody cares that it's John Wick. Ooh, John Wick, yeah, I can go take him out. But like in the first one, he was the nightmare, the boogeyman. The, like assassins told their own children stories of John Wick to keep them scared straight. Mm. And that's what John Wick is supposed to be. And though my one frustration with the John Wick series is it's gone as, ah, he's just another guy. And and I don't like that. So I hope they get back not only to every making everybody in the world as an assassin, but that absolutely zero anybody is afraid to go after John Wick. You got to get back to that mythology about him. I'm just saying, no one's ever taken on the these the what what do they call it the what's the group called? They said it in the uh, two mafia. No, 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 no. <laughs> the whole the whole assassin world. They they call it by something. I don't know. The but board, no one, the table, or something. Yeah, yeah, I can't the remember table. the name of it. No one's ever taken on the table before. I mean, the first one, he was taking on tracksuit. The mafia. high table. Tracksuit mafia level. Guys. Yeah. So All right. That's kind of true. Yeah, so now he's up against people that are supposed to be equal to him. All right, so we got to keep moving. We're yeah. closing in on three hours today, so let's <laughs> okay. keep going. What's next? Uh, my love for movies. Hey, John, I think My Comic Planet was the one who told you about these those Marvel trademarks last week, but you kind of dismissed it. But how surprised are you if they all turned out to be no, true? Everybody rewrites history. I, what I said, and I still stand by this, is that you can't get too excited. I said, don't get excited until there's something to be excited about. Because we have seen numerous times, and we've talked about it on our show, numerous times where a whole bunch of names get trademarked and everybody gets all excited and then nothing out of those all those trademarks come to pass or one or two does. So that's why when it came up last week, I said, let's not get too excited until there's something to be excited about because they may like none of those may actually turn out to be anything. Well, now there's something to be excited about because one of them did turn out to be something. So now it's worth getting excited about. But when these when news pieces come out about a big slew of names get trademarked, I stopped covering those because every time we did over the past couple of years, nine out of every 10 of them never actually turn into anything. So now I just don't really talk about them until something turns into something. The tangibility. The tangibility of it. And here's what it did. It did turn into something. Th this one out of that flock turned into something. So, and now we actually have some confirmation. Now we can get excited about it and now we can talk about it. My thing is, is not just whenever those names get trademarked saying none of those will ever be anything. It's, it's such a small percentage of them that ever turn into anything. 
that let's not get excited about them or get wound up about them until actually something happens. Then we can get excited about it. So that's what I said. All right. What's next? <laughs> From uh, the Richard, some support. Thank you so much to Richard. Oh, yeah, that's it. Richard, Ray, appreciate that. Have... Oh, I don't <laughs> have anything left. Yeah, I don't have anything. We did uh, it. If he has, I would like to say we crossed 300,000 subscribers today. <gasps> yeah. I, yes, I, I just wow. noticed. I had just noticed that uh, that uh, somewhere in the middle of the show, uh, we have crossed 300,000 subscribers on the channel. Now, this Yay. is this is interesting because I have taken I have taken three YouTube channels to over 200,000 subscribers. So I took we uh, we did AMC's YouTube channel, got that over 200,000. Then we uh, we took Collider, took that to over 200,000. But never have I had one go over three. Because Collider passed 300,000 shortly after I left. It was on its way mm. to three, but I wasn't there by the time it crossed three. So this is the first time that I've been kind of running a YouTube channel that we've gone over 300,000 subscribers. Yes. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Pretty cool. Uh, the I, I am far more happy about crossing 100 million views and 200 million views. I was more happy about that because subscribers don't necessarily equal views. Right. But still, to, it's, this is the first time that it's happened for me. So it's a pretty cool thing. So thank you to everybody who subscribed today and took us over 300,000. I appreciate that very much. Yay. All right, guys. And that'll do it for this overly long installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved here at the John Campy Show, thank you guys so much for your support. So don't forget, come on back tomorrow for the next episode of the John Campy Show. Also, a little bit later today, we got a mailbag coming with Robert Meyer Burnett. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. And a little bit later tonight, I'll be putting up my right-out-of-the-theater reaction to the new Predator movie, Prey, that I'm going to go see a little bit later tonight. Lots of stuff going on here at the channel. So for everybody in the room, myself, Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico, I'm John Campy, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.